1: and blue and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful and very Cold, (laughs) British Columbia I'm Michael McCall
2: And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer
1: And baby, it's cold outside (laughs) Although, from looking at the forecast Zach I mean it was cold here. Minus seventeen feel felt like some of the, the evenings here in East Van, but I believe it was a lot worse out in Abbotsford's way. How bad was it?
2: Yeah, it was pretty pretty cool. I mean, dude, I chose not I chose to spend as little time outside as possible. So I didn't yeah, really Yeah, you're lucky you don't have a dog.
1: <laughs> a dog uh, that's very picky
2: well, as to where she goes poo. I don't I don't I don't have a dog by choice, but if I've, we've told this to you before, right? I'm the, I'm not an inside dog person. No, I know. If I, know. I if I if I You're had a, a yard, monster
1: is basically what you've said, yeah.
2: Well, if I had a yard and like a like a big property, then yeah, we'd love I'd love to have some animals that could have their own outdoor to abo- abodes. Um, but here, I mean, here you couldn't leave it
1: outside. Uh,
2: the, uh, the other animals outside here. Would, yes, it would, it would get be it. there in the morning. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think I need to get a look at my car because it's that my inside of my windscreen has been freezing. So I've always oh. got uh, some kind of little hole or leak somewhere that's, that, that's letting RCB. it in. But yeah. it has been bitter cold. And in in a recent show, we had a big chat about my retirement hopes and plans. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I cut it all out for time because I had to get it uh, into oh, the three hours right, slot. Right. So no one no one heard that chat. But it was, it was a good chat. It, it was good chat. But one of the things we mentioned, which I won't go into, was I, I've been considering PEI just because of what you can get value for money. House prices out there, massive houses for like four hundred thousand with lots of land, and I'd I'd like to have multiple dogs and get lots of rescue dogs and grow vegetables and do all that kind of stuff. Potatoes. But, but yes, of course. P.I., I think it's part of the contract you have Entry. to sign when you go there. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, can I hack the winters? I don't know. So I thought, oh, this will be a good gauge. So early poll numbers uh, are saying no. I don't think <laughs> I could hack that. These three what? days of cold were bad enough.
2: Yeah, because what's it out there like right now? It's
1: it's actually, well, out in P.I. Yeah, is
2: it or, bad there right now or no?
1: Uh, it's been slightly warmer there, but they have a, they're in the minuses a lot of the, the winter months. Now yeah. I I I genuinely don't mind minus conditions. I, I quite find it refreshing. And often I actually find it nicer to be out in like minus seven, minus eight than when it's just like one degree or zero. It seems colder at, at that. It feels colder than sometimes when it's it's minus seven. Like I'm just back from walking the dog just now it was lovely, lovely and refreshing. Didn't really need gloves on too much and yeah, it, it, it was nice. But We'll see, so hope everyone's keeping safe anyway out there mm. and I, uh, hopefully folks did not have horrendous commutes. I, I know one person oh, yeah. that definitely did uh, that, is, yeah. is a friend of mine and she just had a journey from hell. Three hours it took to go from Burnaby to Delta yeah. and that was with hardly any snow. It's yeah. kind of crazy how this place just grinds, grinds to, a to a halt. It's <laughs> absolutely <laughs> crazy. But it's cold here, but it's been warmer climbs. The Asian Cup and the African Cup of Nations is oh, yeah. underway this weekend. I haven't had a chance to, to watch any of it yet. I've seen some of the kits that the African teams are wearing. And, and oh boy, they are beautiful stuff. I, lo- I have, always love the African kits.
2: I PVR'd something but I have it from, from the Afghan game or two, but I haven't watched it yet. All I know is that the Lebanon game. When because so, Gabby Batar got uh, ten minutes at the end of the yeah, aha. Uh-huh. the Lucille Stadium versus the mighty Qatar Qataris.
1: Yeah, that that was fantastic for Gabby to to, totally. to get that. I've got to say. Now the the Asian Cup is live on YouTube in Canada. Oh, is that where it is? Yeah, so no one got it on YouTube. Up, yeah, okay. no one's picked up the right. So it's free, legal there to watch. Sweet. The What's african the nations Is it like um, from the confederation channel if you, it's the, i think the asian the asian cup's got its own youtube channel sweet so yeah just okay. such that are i added them then? all uh also the african nations cup it's b sports have the right so if you've got football football tv that's you right you can yeah, see yeah, it on that, that which i don't anymore but there are ways to watch it with vpns and youtube as well on the official. Uh, Nations Cup channel, so that is how I'll hope to do it, also the BBC are showing some games over in the UK, so there's certainly ways to watch that, so hopefully this week I will get a chance to to watch some games, catch up with stuff that's happened, there was one scary incident as well, I kind of told you a little bit about this, but the Gambia had a horrific uh, incident trying to fly there where their plane had to make an emergency landing because it it lost oxygen. I mean, the players obviously were were very much concerned. Some of them had kind of passed out on on the plane or fallen asleep, I I believe. But looking forward to catching up with both those competitions over the next week. Last little thing I want to mention uh, just to kick off the, the intro here on the show. Something I've been thinking about for a while now Our podcast is hosted on Podbean and we can get ads put into it to try and make some money on the podcast. So I've I've shied away from it all these years, but from listening to a number of other podcasts, they're doing a lot of the ads at the start or maybe halfway through. So we might start adding some adverts at the start of the podcast just to see what it's like, if we make any money for that. So... Hopefully, it doesn't spoil your enjoyment too much. It'll just be like a minute or so of, of ads. Obviously, if you listen to this on CITR, that this ads in between each parts. But we're also maybe looking to, to get some sponsors for the podcast as well. It's something I do on my East 5 podcast. You can sponsor an episode. So looking to explore if there's interest in doing that here. So if you're a business that wants to sponsor an episode of the podcast, We can do that for a a decent fee per episode, per month. Or if you want to sponsor for a year, we'll come up with a a package for that as well. That will involve having an ad at the start. We'll play an ad during the show as well. You'll get your ad played on CITR. And we'll mention it in all of our podcast blurbs as well. So if you are interested in that as a business, get in touch. Aft in Canada at hotmail.com or AFT in Canada on Twitter. Shoot me a DM
2: we we got to mention, too, that the the more ad revenue that comes in, the more likely that Steve is to return.
1: Yeah, he he's holding out for that increased contract. <laughs> he's got to keep his mother-in-law happy. <laughs> but any money that does come in, don't worry. It will get put to good use. Hosting costs, everything to do with the podcast and the website – it also keep me filled up with hot chocolate, because, Zach, it's that time of year again. Hot Chocolate Boy is back.
3: Hot
0: Chocolate Boy, he's never had one. Hot Chocolate Bad One, Hot Chocolate Boy.
1: Yes, Hot Chocolate Boy is back. The Hot Chocolate Festival, I believe it's the 14th year of the Vancouver Hot Chocolate Festival, which really should be called the Greater Vancouver Hot Chocolate Festival now because it's in 10-plus municipalities in the Lower Mainland. It kicked off on Saturday. It runs from January 13th to February 14th. I assume you've been out all weekend partaking.
2: No, not yet. I'm just Googling it right now. Is it, where is it in Abbotsford?
1: I don't know if it's made it all the way out to to the interior, but it's certainly Mm. in Coquitlam and Port Moody and Surrey and places like that this year. So we we went to our first one on Saturday afternoon. We went to Glenburn Soda on East Hastings in Burnaby. Now, I, I normally look to see when things open up and I hadn't for this, and I forgot that Glenburn opened mid-afternoon. So we arrived at 2.30 to find that they didn't open till three o'clock. But what that meant was we were the third people to get their hot chocolate in the festival this year. And Glenburn Soda, if anyone doesn't know, it's on East Hastings in Burnaby, in the Burnaby Heights area. It's an old-fashioned, kind of 50s-themed ice cream and soda shop. It's fantastic. We go there regularly throughout the year we've been before for the Hot Chocolate Festival this year two Seinfeld themed hot chocolates, $8 each, they've got one called, they should call it Round Teen I don't know you've you've watched seinfeld i don't know if you know back in the day it...
2: I, don't, I don't know if i've seen every episode but back in the day well
1: they they should call it round teen it's based in an episode where jerry's doing stand-up and he's like why do they call it oval teen it's oh, in a yeah, round container that. it should be round teen." Yeah. so there's that and it's calabye malted milk chocolate infused with non-alcoholic whiskey flavor served with two crispy malted chocolate chip cookies so we didn't have that one but we saw other folk have that it looked nice so caitlin and me went for the junior mint and that one is from an episode where elaine's boyfriend's in hospital and kramer drops a junior mint into him while he's going undergoing surgery so this is calabau dark chocolate infused with cool mint and served with two peppermint triangles And it was absolutely delicious. The triangles, perfect. If anything, one would have been enough, but never going to turn down two. And it it had a nice kind of refreshing zinc to it, which kind of countered the hot chocolate. But best of all, they have a frozen chocolate-dipped whipped cream that's put on the top of the hot chocolate. And that absolutely made it. So I highly recommend it. Glenburn Soda, East Hastings. That was our first entry in this year's Hot Chocolate Festival for Hot Chocolate Boy. We had also planned to go to a second one today, Mercato di Luigi on 12th in Vancouver, but we never made it out. We're going to have the Toasty Tiramisu, which is a tiramisu hot chocolate served with a ladyfinger. And as you know, Zach, I love a good ladyfinger. Oh, Michael. And also enjoy a good tiramisu as well. But we haven't made it out to that yet, but hope to make that out midweek. Caked Pies is also one as a little taster that we might have for next weekend. But I'm excited. Hope you are too. Let us know if you got out. Shout out to Amanda Chow, Craft Queer and Darnell Smith. Darnell Smith went to explore the Hot Chocolate Festival on Granville Island on Saturday afternoon to check out all three of the cafes that were taking part in the one day. Mm. He's a local football referee.
2: Um, it looks like there might be one in uh in Langley. Oh, you have to get out. And I'm supposed to be in Langley on Friday, I think.
1: I, I think we should the pie, get the pie hole. Yeah, it's the pie hole. I'm gonna go at the Burnaby one. they yeah, have there's two m- good locations. Ones. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have the apple crumble, apple pie one there. What's the other option? Uh banana pie. Oh yeah, I'll go apple. Okay. Oh, if you go there we can compare that on next week's show. Oh. Exciting.
2: Oh. That would be like the the most exciting thing we've ever done in
1: the park. I think it, I think it might be. Anyway, that was the first installment of 2024's Hot Chocolate Boy. Every girl yelling, wanting
0: him to be the terror. Hot Chocolate Boy, he's a sensation. Hot Chocolate
1: Nation. Hot Chocolate Boy. That song by Beat Happening, former Arts of the Month here at AFTN, is going to be in my head all month. Hopefully it's going to be in yours as well. I think Caitlin's already fed up with me playing it. I've been playing it regularly and just walking around the house singing it. So I'm driving her a little bit crazy. But enough of the hot chocolate chat. Let's get into now the football chat. And in this part, for the rest of it, we're going to talk about the Whitecaps. News of the week. So... The Whitecaps have headed off to Marbella in Spain. Mm-hmm. They're there to the end of the month, January 31st. Their roster was announced this week. They'll be playing four games, which the club haven't officially confirmed, but internet sleuthing by Glass City and others has revealed that they'll be playing two Hungarian top flight teams, Diósgyőri VTK on the 20th. Oh. And Pushkis Academy on the twenty second. Oh, okay, cool. Pushkis. Do you know the Vancouver connection? Uh I feel like I should know this. You should. 1968, the year of my birth. R- no, r- refresh yeah, my memory. He's my father. No. Uh Pushkis played for Vancouver Royals in the NESL.
2: All oh, right. okay.
1: Which is very fitting because we're paying tribute to the 50th anniversary of the Whitecaps in ASL in part 4 and all year. But yeah, Puskas Academy on the 22nd. And then Norwegian top tier side, FK Haugesund on the 30th. And there'll be one other game in there. We just haven't found out who it is yet. But I'm sure the Whitecaps will be announcing that soon. One thing, though, they did announce is there's a new player wearing Whitecaps blue and white. Mm -hmm. The Gazelle. Fafa Pico, now a white cap, 32, he's 33 next month, so another veteran, Haitian left winger, joins as a free agent after being with Nashville last season. 313 career club appearances for Pico, he has scored 67 goals, added 31 assists, in MLS alone, 48 goals and 24 assists. From 202 MLS appearances, including playoffs. Last season, though, didn't quite light it up for Nashville. Five goals, though, and one assist from his 29 MLS appearances. 20 of those were starts. But across all competitions for Nashville, nine goals, and that included scoring in the semi final and the final of the League's Cup. So, rising to the occasion. Signed a one year deal. With an option for the White Cats for 2025. Axel said of the signing, Fafa has been a consistently strong attacking player throughout his time in MLS. Not only that, but he brings tremendous character to our team. His experience and ability to bring a different dimension to our attack will be invaluable as we navigate our biggest season in MLS yet. My favourite quote from Fafa I'm excited to play for Mr. Vanny.
2: Oh, yeah, I heard about that.
1: I like that. But I I like it, it's a good addition, it's another veteran, I know there's a lot of folk not being as excited because they're looking at, feeling that he's maybe, his best days are behind him, but again, don't see him coming into the guy that's starting every game, certainly an exciting option off the bench, he has done it at this level, he's performed regularly in MLS and nine goals across all competitions last year not to be sniffed at, and it does add another dimension to the team because Vanny's famously said he doesn't like playing wingers. We've now signed a winger. So this is another little string to, to their bow.
2: That was going to be my one my one question for you is my recollection of, of watching Fafa Pico play in MLS is that he plays typically quite wide up top, yeah. which is not what Vanny typically wants. So I is do that, wonder is if he a...
1: maybe sees him as a kind of wingback, maybe...
2: I, worry I, I hope he's that not trying he's to new, try and
1: convert him.
2: Yeah, he's the new uh, Dahomey. Um, yeah, Dahomey. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, hope- I'm hoping it's not that. That thought did run through my head, I've got to say. Yeah. I, I'd be worried if it's that. If it is to actually have another legit, like, legitimate option, then again, it's interesting. And like we talked about earlier, Vanny has been uh, in his reflecting on how to improve and move forward this year as a coach tactically and all that. He has been, or he has talked about, you know, wanting to be willing to change things up within games and stuff. So I guess Pico is someone who who does give another option, right? So it's 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 a it's a really interesting signing. Yeah. I think that people, I, I've seen a bunch of the comments of people like, oh, this, you know, we're signing a you know thirty six year old now, thirty three soon to be thirty three year old, and you know this is not what we want. Like we need. Better younger, you know, or in their prime kind of MLS veterans, not at the end of the, their prime. Um, but the problem with uh, that,
1: though, is so does every other club. Oh
2: well, yeah, of course, so does every club. But but both of these signings so far, I, I think I think people should view them with really a lot of optimism because mm-hmm. I do think they can. They can be signed the, the the signings that Vancouver has needed in previous seasons. Plus when you think about all the fixture congestion and all the all the games, one of the things they could have used last year, I think, was more veterans that Vanny could have relied on for more minutes in more situations. Yeah. And now he has more options to do that. So I mean, how many
1: times did we look at who was on the bench and it's like yeah. well, who who do you want to bring on to change the game but you're yeah. behind? It? And it's like now If you've got a Krylak, if you've got a Pico on the bench, it's like total faith in bringing those guys on. Now, yeah, the proof of the pudding is in the eating, and it's all going to be about can they perform, can they fit into the plan. But it's such an exciting mix because we know what he can do. Mm -hmm. And, like, he's played in Italy. He's played in the Czech Republic with Sparta Prague, St. Pauli in Germany as well. Mm -hmm. He came to MLS in 2017. He's played with Philly. Dallas, Houston, Nashville. He's got two caps for the U.S. national team, and then made a switch last year and made five appearances for Haiti. He's played eight times against the White Caps, scored two goals, once for Philly, once for Houston, grabbed one assist as well. Nashville play a very different style to yeah. the White Caps. It's under Gary Smith. It's sometimes it's like a Carol Robinson-style game, it's counter-attacking, it's not the prettiest football to watch, it's built on defence first, successful uh, at times as well, but it maybe wasn't best suited. I think I'd like to look at his time more at Houston Mm -hmm. as how he might fit in here. He was their MVP in 2021, he was the player's player of the year that year as well, so I I definitely think this is an intriguing signing, and until we see how Vanny's going to utilise it, how he fits in the team, but if you imagine him on the wing sending those balls into the box to white, maybe Gold in the other wing sending it in as well. Exciting if you were looking at that. Or Krylak in the middle. I I, yeah. I, I get the hesitation. I get the desire to have younger guys. But I've been for years crying out that we need some older heads in there yeah, to settle this team down. I think that's now what we've got.
2: Yeah, I'm not like I am optimistic for for them that this will work out. I'm not quite as optimistic as Krylak, and that's more based on I just have appreciated Krylak more over the, over the, over the years. Um, but uh, I think I think in general, though, I am optimistic, and I think he will add. And he and he even just based on age and maybe durability and whatever, he might add even more than than
1: Krylak adds, right? Yeah, um, very so- possibly. I mean if he's it, it, whipping those balls in and white is in the right place at the right time and taking those chances. So this is not
2: something that's gonna get people out of like you know, get people excited, but I do think that they'll look back on it as a I think they're sorry, I think there's a high probability they'll look back on it as a very shrewd signing.
1: Yeah. I I think Vanny and Axel are building a very good MLS squad for attacking on all these competitions. And, but we'll get more into it closer to the season. They still need a lot to happen, not all in their hands to be a, a top four side. But they've they've got the makings there right now of a, a of a squad that can certainly be a top four side. And there'll be more additions coming. And they've got an interesting trial list in the preseason camp just now. That this was kind of murmured and mooted on. Twitter, and then it was kind of confirmed when the, the roster came out, a Canadian, a centre-back, six foot two, right-footed, 24 years old, Bilal Halbuni, not a guy I've known a lot about, I, I've since subsequently read about him, he was rumoured way back 2021 or 2022, he was kind of linked to, to the White Cats back then, but he's Canadian-born, Syrian international he's played in the fifth tier of German football since 2020 first with Werder Bremen two, and then most recently with FC Magdeburg two. not a team I'm overly familiar with there I, I say he's a Syrian international he made one appearance for Syria against Jordan in 2022 and blew his ACL in the game and that's what he's been coming back from so I I know little about him I think it's probably more a WFC2 signing when you consider there's a lot of WFC2 players over in that preseason camp I think that's what they're looking at have a look for him and it's like hey why not it's exactly what what we're needing for WFC2
2: Yeah I would say, I would say so fifth division that I mean that's where Lavier Corbin went started his mm. his uh, foreign odyssey was fifth division Germany in 2012 2012 2013 um I mean Vertebrate too obviously you know them and I forget if uh, I think they're in the
1: 4th tier now as well but I think he yeah. left them just before they Ma- got promoted. Matterberg's
2: first team is not in a in a great spot if I remember correctly from this year or last year. But yeah. So I, I think you're right. I think this screams more of a WC2 type of uh type of potential with and then from there it's like see i yeah, see how things play out yeah.
1: and it's great to see the wfc two guys over in spain as well training with him great to see jay herdman back after that horrific injury that he had at swan guard yeah and we'll hopefully catch up with, with jay soon as well can i ask you about one
2: other person in the squad there
1: sure Thomas cell has been invited oh to yes yeah we should probably mention about that so he's still recovering and the white right. caps feel a, a duty to look after him and give yeah, him okay. those minutes. And I think that's very nice. I think, again, this goes back to what we've spoken a lot of in the last couple of years. The, the Whitecaps are treating their players so well. And it's like, we want to put you in the best way to succeed. We know you, it, you need to move on. You need to be a starter somewhere. Until you get that club sorted out, until you've got your full rehabilitation done, we will involve you with, with a team, with a squad. And hey, who knows if no one else comes in for him? Maybe they do resign him. Who who knows what's down the line? But no, I, I thought that was nice that, that they did that, and it gives them an extra body as well. If if you're being brutal in that regard, for because they they obviously need as many goalkeepers for yeah. the games and stuff. But no, I, I thought that was nice that that they're doing that and sticking by Thomas, who we've both got a lot of time for, and. Really hope he lands on his his feet and and gets a good well, deal out of this.
2: Do you know what his timeline is for being like? Fully well, it,
1: fit? I I think he's close. I think it's just okay. getting like he needs to get some match fitness in. Okay. And and stuff. So I mean, when I spoke to him in October, and I said, "Oh, how you doing?" He's like, "I'm doing really well." i I'm, He was a bit ahead then. Yeah. Um. Got him in the press box, which is chatting away to him. So yeah, hopefully. We will see him sign with a a club soon. Whether that is in Canada, in CPL, or whether he's going to go elsewhere, I I guess we'll find out. Maybe he impresses in this camp and ends up somewhere over in Europe as well, which he he obviously can do. Final little bits of of Whitecaps news for the week. The kick-off times Mm. for the Whitecaps' 17 home games have been confirmed. I, I like this.
2: Small improvements, small improvements, right? I, I,
1: I think quite a big improvement, really, because it's a good feeler as well to see, gauge the, the attendances. So five kickoffs will be at 4.30 p.m., spread across March, April, August, and October. 12 kickoffs at the, the 7.30 p.m., 7.38, 4.38, I'm sure we can say it is, yeah. and they will mainly be in late spring and summer so in the summer ideal because the, the kids are off as well so i like a lot of this i like that the the league and apple have listened to clubs like the whitecaps saying we need to have earlier kickoff times and now they're going to have the metrics to show well this is what we've drawn for these games this is why we yeah. feel it's important to to have these kickoff times so the the five 4.30 kickoffs are going to be the season opener against Charlotte on Saturday, May March 2nd. Um, TFC's visit on April 6th is another. The second home game against RSL in March is another one of those, as is LAFC's visit in August. And the last home game at home to Minnesota on October 5th is the fifth and final 4.30 kickoff. I think it's a good selection. I think it's... Great for fans with families that want to bring the kids along and don't want a late night. Obviously, fans on the island and fans in the interior can make the journey and get home the same day if they they so choose without having to get a hotel. And it's announced early enough that they can get all these plans made. So, all in all, Zach, I think this is excellent.
2: Yeah, I I think you're right. I think... um... Axel and uh, the Whitecaps brass will be able to then take some empirical data back to Apple and to MLS and say, hey, this is you made this uh, concession for us. And this is the this is how it helped. And I think uh, it's nice for them that this is also tied into a year where there's this heightened um, excitement in the league, but also locally in Vancouver with, you know, Lionel Messi playing in in Miami and coming to town for a match. So I think there's a, even though that's not one of the matches, obviously, but
1: no, that that's it, that's one of the 730 ones, because every right. Messi game is going to be like they, they yeah. want that on and in, in the prime but, spot as possible.
2: But his coming, to the league has made it so that there's this, there's more season tickets and more match tickets being mm-hmm. sold in every every city where he's going to play, and and there's just a heightened excitement about the league, right? In a similar but different way to when golden balls landed on these shores, yeah. right? So, um, it, it's it's nice that that's coinciding with this. Hey, let's give us some of these dates so we can prove it to you. I think that it's how that can work out uh,
1: can really be beneficial for them in the long run. Well, talking uh, of season tickets and ticket sales, the season ticket sales are going really well right now. So, I, I reached out to the the club just to try and find out a little bit of questions that i had there is a cap set on season ticket holders so they've got a, a, a set number of season tickets that's going to be available now if the demand was there i'm sure that cap can get increased but right now there is a cap on season ticket sales
2: do we know what that cap
1: is not yet okay so some sections are already sold out so general admission is sold out Pitchside Club is sold out and the landing is sold out. So that's some of the more expensive ones as well. So the the club also announced Monday morning that they have a a golden era pack that is now available, or it's going to be available, starting at $247. The four-match pack includes the home opener, the 50th anniversary match against Austin on May 4th, the inaugural match with Messi and Inter-Miami later on in May, and the playoff rematch against LAFC in August. So Mm. four very good games, and I I think fantastic games to pick as well, because you've got the the home opener, which is also the season opener. And as Axel spoke about last week, it's a proper home opener, because it's the first game of the season for them. So that's a big game. And... They didn't necessarily maybe need to include that one because that usually gets good sales anyway. But that's a good one to have in the pack. The 50th anniversary match, you want a good crowd out for that because it's going mm-hmm. to be a special occasion. It's the, the day before the actual anniversary, so it's as close as you could get. And I, I just think that's going to be a wonderful occasion. Haven't heard exactly what's happening with it, but you hope they can get some of the players back and it's just going to be... I, I'm so looking forward to, as you know, from us doing all this on, on the, the show on the website this year at around the 50th anniversary. The Miami game is obviously a natural one. And LAFC, because of the rivalry last year, it, it's mm. it's great as well. So outside of season memberships, the Golden Era Pack is currently the only way to secure tickets to all four of those matches. Now, single match tickets for games at BC Place will be available at a later date, but if you want to guarantee your seat to go and see Messi, you either need a season ticket or you need one of these golden era packs. Now, a couple of things on this. First of all, I love that the Whitecaps have done this. We actually spoke about it on last week's show. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to do a package like this so that they can get fans along to the other games. A, partly to make more money because it's like... You know these tickets are going to get scalped, so it's like Whitecaps may as well make as much money out of these fans that don't normally come along to watch the Whitecaps as possible. But what I want is for them to turn some of those fans into Whitecaps fans, and the best way of doing that is to have a great atmosphere and a great game against Miami, if they can beat Miami, all the better but then get them along to these other games. Now, yeah, there's a chance folk might buy tickets for the four games and only go to the one. The hope is that they'll get hooked. And I, I commend the Whitecaps for doing this. I, I think it's fantastic.
2: Yeah, kudos to them for, uh, for this. Uh, it's encouraging to hear that season ticket sales are going well and that they're using opportunities like this to 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 continue to grow uh, on where they've been over the last few years. And... um that could, that only bodes well for them, right?
1: Yeah. The The only thing I would say about these four games, I, I would maybe have missed off the home opener, but I, I can see why they want a good crowd for the home opener. And I would maybe have chucked in the first Leagues Cup game because you know that's going to be a low attendance just right. to, to get the sales for that. But ultimately, I mean, I I don't care. I just, I really like that they've done this. What I would say though, as well, like the the start the four game pack starts at two hundred forty seven. Now, right now, you can still pick a season ticket up from four hundred in one yeah. of the corners. So, if you're considering this Golden Era pack, get the season ticket for a little bit more, because not only do you get more than the four games, you're going to get the whole season. You're going to get Apple TV thrown in as well, the foot, MLS Apple TV side of it. Which is a value for about 130 to 150 anyway. So, to me, the no brainer would be if you're going to get one of these packs, get the full season ticket. And if you can't go to every game, you can maybe sell some of your tickets, donate them to the charity fund for the less privileged to go away, anything like that. So, I mean, that would be my suggestion just now. If you're tempted by this golden era pack, go for the full season ticket because it's better value for money. And trust me, if you're on the fence, if you think, oh, I don't know if I want to go for the whole season, if the Whitecaps play as entertaining and as attacking as they've done and as it looks like they're going to do, you'll want to be at all these games. So I, I know I'm sounding like a ticket rep here, but I genuinely believe that.
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, value, it, it makes sense, right? <laughs> if you're going to spend $250 on four games, you might as well spend 400 on 18 or whatever it is, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, to me, it just makes total sense. So, really like the club have done this. So, I mean, the sales are doing good, and I just look forward to, to those numbers going up. Something else that is also doing good, Zach. Just to close the section off, tickets went on sale on Wednesday for the tigris game over in Langford, and uh, amazingly, the the grandstand is almost already sold out. They've got limited inventory left in that. There's about 2,000 plus seats left in the east, west and pitside GA, as well as five premium suites still available for <laughs> that Tigers game. I mean, that's fantastic because you're looking at, uh, this is maybe around about 4,000 tickets already sold for this game. That's great. So if you are wanting to get over to that game on the island, A, get your tickets soon and B, get your hotels booked soon as well because they are certainly going to book up. But yeah. Everything trending in the right direction right now for the Whitecaps. Looking forward to this season and looking forward to seeing Fafa Pico on the pitch and Demir Krylak. And I got a chance to sit down with a Croatian midfielder this week for an in-depth chat about his career and a lot more as well. So we'll be back with that and our song this episode from our album of the month. After this.
3: Hi, I'm Damir Kralak and you're guys listening to AFTN Soccer Show. It was a pleasure to uh, yeah to be here and uh, yeah, hopefully you guys are going to have a like, uh, great time listening to me. Thank you.
0: There are so many traps been laid. How can you avoid one? Put your foot down in a moonlit clay. Snap your ankles broken. To take. It doesn't seem to matter what
1: Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's this episode song from our album of the month for January. From 1986, Manchester band James. It's their debut studio album, Stutter. That's the third track on it, So Many Ways, released as a single as well in that year a song all about the many different paths decisions and routes that we can all take in our lives a song is one of the standout songs on the album and it was a song that the record company sire really wanted to, to push as a single and felt it could be a big hit ultimately it just reached number 143 in the uk charts and at probably i think led to some of the disgruntlement between the record company and the band and it's an album full of great songs a lot of experimental songs experimental sounds as well not your kind of normal song structure in in a lot of them and I, i could see why a record company would think that one's maybe got the most mainstream appeal and it is a fantastic song but the band felt there was stronger potential singles on the album that ultimately were not released. And we played one last week, Black Hole, that I think's a tremendous song. And we'll have another one next week, Johnny Yen. That is a, a song that the, the band also really wanted to release as a single. But great album. Hope you're enjoying the songs from it so far. Go and check it out if you haven't already. You can find it in all the usual places. It did feature in the Guardians 1001 albums that you should hear before you die, so make sure you get on that. But So Many Ways was the name of the song there, and of course there are so many ways to sign players in Major League Soccer, all the different transfer mechanisms, making it very unique to a lot of other leagues in the world. And very unique in the fact that we have Garber Bucks, which of course the other leagues do not have, and thankfully have not followed suit. But free agency is one of the ways that you can get players in MLS and it's been a mechanism that the Whitecaps haven't fully explored or been able to explore for various reasons that we've mentioned before and won't go into. But the one big signing that they made before the year was out did come from free agency. 34-year-old Croatian midfielder Damir Krylak Signed after six seasons with Real Salt Lake, came to Utah in 2018, joining them from Union Berlin, the German Bundesliga club. Had five seasons in Germany with them, scoring 33 goals there, 56 goals and 25 assists with RSL from 2018, RSL captain as well for the past two seasons and an all-star in 2021 where he got 16 goals and 9 assists in his career year. As we've talked about in the last two shows, a player I've admired greatly since he made the move to MLS, and it's fantastic now to see him as a white cap. Cannot wait to see how he fits into Vani Sartini's plans. He can play in a variety of the forward positions, so how... Vanny and the club plan to use him is certainly going to be something for us to to keep an eye on as the season gets underway has struggled recently from a back injury but feels that he's back to full fitness Axel Schuster in our interview last week with him spoke about how the rehab's been complete and he feels better now than he did last year and ready to go he's still got the hunger he still wants to perform And now he's got a chance to do it as a white cap. And I got a chance to catch up with Demir last week as he headed into Vancouver before the team jetted off to Marbella for pre-season training. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, and enjoy our chat with Demir Krylak. Hi good morning Damir it's it's nice to to chat to you I've been a, a long admirer of you in this league so it's nice to finally get a chance to talk to you
3: thank you the same
1: so I'm from Scotland so this will help you get used to Ryan gold's accent
3: yeah exactly this is what I'm used to it now you know yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. um so yeah I just want to just have a, a little chat with you just about coming to Vancouver but also your career and and stuff as yeah. well
3: yeah
1: amazing first thing demir welcome to vancouver it doesn't always rain here it does get nice as as i'm sure you know but
3: like last couple of days when it was nice so yeah
1: why why vancouver as a free agent i'm sure you had a lot of different options and what was it about vancouver that really attracted you to come here
3: You know, to be honest, uh, you know, I had, first of all, I would say that I had amazing six years in RSL, you know, they offered me the contracts for next year and basically just, uh, you know, my role would be a little bit different than the the previous years, you know, uh, to have uh, playing, uh, less playing time, uh, you know, and, you know, to help the players and uh, I would be kind of situational player, uh, you know, which means, you know, I wouldn't play like that much and then basically you know when i have like first conversation with coach and with the uh, axel uh, so then the, from the first uh, you know uh, second i saw okay Vancouver wants to have me there you know and uh, you know that i'm going to have chance to again you know uh, to play uh, you know and at the end of the day to have the role off and on the field which uh, uh, you know, it's gonna be you know help the team, uh, help the team. I mean, teammates on the field, help teammates off the field. Uh, you know, because uh, Vancouver has a pretty, you know, I would say young team. You know, and they wanted me here, you know, as a veteran, you know, to 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 help the club grow, to help the young talents players to grow. And uh, I mean, my goal and my wish was, you know, as well, you know, to have you know, competition that, you know, I'm going to be able, you know, to play again. How much, you know, one knows. At the end of the day, this is the coach decision. But just to have, like, healthy competition that still I can, you know, prove myself, you know, because especially, you know, missing 2022 because of the injury I had, you know, and thanks God, you know, last year I got back playing, you know, overall like 30 games. You know, my body still says, okay, you can do it, you know, and because of that, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hungry to keep on training, to keep on playing. And because of that, uh, you know, Vancouver was, uh, you know, the, the best option, uh, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm so glad, so happy to be here, you know, even, you know, leading the conversation with the all place of the club from, you know, from Axel as a GM, from Queen uh, as a director, from the co- with, with the coach and with, with the, I mean media staff, uh, just over the phone and the players, you know, it was uh, you know something something special. It was it was great. And then it just, uh, you know, uh, I didn't, to be honest, think too much. And, uh, I mean, with my family, we just, you know, got decision that Vancouver is going to be, uh, you know, a new adventure, uh, you know. And it's going to be a great, uh, you know, challenge for all of us to give, uh, at the end of the day, uh, my best, uh, you know, for wildcaps.
1: I, I know it was a... Uh... A tough decision for you to leave RSL and you put a really heartfelt message out on your Instagram calling it the most difficult decision of your life and it, it was heartbreaking. You, you had six really good seasons there, for not even just on the playing side but for yourself and your family. How do you look back at your time in, in Salt Lake City?
3: No, I think, you know, so Lake City is gonna it's uh always remain in my heart, you know, the club that I'm gonna support. Uh, always, you know, and uh, carry carry the club on my heart, you know, because, um, you know, coming from the Europe, from Union Berlin, you know, to RSL, you know, I couldn't imagine, you know, from the day one that everyone want to welcome me this way. The, the same is happening now, to be honest, in Vancouver, you know, and, you know, after all these great moments I had with RSL in 60 years is just like, uh, you know, there's something, you know, uh, you can forget. And it's not only on the field and off the field. With the club. This is as well like... Uh uh i mean outside of the club you know to to uh, meet the friends for the rest of your life you know to hang with the with the people that uh, before you didn't know who they are and now they're like your family you know and this is something special that's even bigger than 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 um you know than football than soccer you know because after career we have another like whatever 40 years of of living the life and just like you know to meet the friends for the for the rest of your life it's something special and um, yeah, as I said, uh, you know, it was like six incredible years uh, that uh, you know uh, I went, uh, I went through, and um, as well, it was the heartbreaking decision to leave RSL, especially uh, because of the fans, because we have special relationship with the people in the club, with the you know the teammates, all the teammates I went uh, and I played with in these six years. And, uh, yeah, but I just, you know, I just wanted to give myself another opportunity, you know, to keep on playing, to keep on uh, training, because I know how much I love, uh, you know, this sport. And as I said always, this is... For me privilege, you know, uh, to, to, to still be here, especially in the age I am, uh, you know, uh, and I always say the age is only one number, to be honest. It depends how your body feel, because at the end of the day, I know how much I invest in my body during 16 years pl- pl- playing as a professional. And because of that, uh, I know that uh, I still can prove myself and help, uh, uh, you know, Whitecaps, you know, as a player, as a person off and on the
1: field. Well, I'm 55, so you're you're a young person to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: you know, like, but some people they said, you know, like we are young, but the the, the sport we are doing, we are also, but this is all doubtful, you know. So, but yeah. I I would say, you know, uh, the thing is that I'm so grateful the chance Vancouver gave me uh you know and that uh they they believe in, in myself and because of that my my basically family and i uh we are uh, you know so happy to be here to get us to get the thing started you know uh, i had the opportunity last two days to meet all the the teammates staff employees of the club and you know as i said they welcome me on a great way and just you know, uh, looking now forward uh, to help the team because Whitecaps they had a great uh, last season, great result. Unfortunately, they lost to on on some unfortunate way against LAFC in a, in a playoff. But now it's uh, up to us even rise this level, you know, even set the scale a little bit higher and even be better this season.
1: What made you come to MLS to to begin with? Because I mean, playing o- over in Germany. A lot of players at your age want to stay in Europe. What was it about coming to America that no, really attracted you? To
3: be you? honest, the story was uh, that the Craig Weibel, uh, now he's the current GM of Seattle. He was uh, in in RSL. He wanted to sign in 2017 in uh, summer, and then uh, you know I told him that at this point we were fighting as well for the Bundesliga promotion uh you know with the union berlin and unfortunately at the end of the day we didn't make it and um then they uh, I mean he came to my agent uh, and then he will, he said that uh, in february 2018 um uh, uh, 18 he would like to sign me again so then i said like um, you know, maybe it's right thing you know to go to to MLS because even before I uh, said uh, you know I heard a lot of great things about MLS as a league, as an organization, uh, about like so many clubs because I have like some friends uh, already uh, you know playing there. And, uh, you know, it was as well to be honest, tough decision because I had like a very, uh, you know, I, I played so far in my career only for three clubs and WCAP's mm-hmm. is the four club. You know, I played as a professional five years back home in Rijeka, you know, special club. Union Berlin, it was special club. You know, it was a heartbreaking decision as well to go to, to Seoul Lake uh, and you know, in Seoul Lake, special club as well. So looking forward that WCAP's is going to be, you know, the, 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 the same story. And uh, uh, yeah i mean you know at this point i was like uh, 20 almost 29 uh you know and uh, it was as well that you know my uh playing time basically you know it was so many rotations and uh, you know i talked to my family uh, especially when you see someone that really wants you, I mean, then for me, it says, okay, maybe it's the right thing to do it. And I mean, thanks God we did it uh, because, you know, like what's happened after that is just, you know, there's something things I'm never going to forget what I, uh, you know, uh, achieved with, with RSL.
1: Taking you way back then, um, you were obviously born in Vukovar, um, yeah. I, I've I've been to Croatia, but I've only been to Dubrovnik, so that's the mm-hmm. only place that that I've been to. But it's a it's a beautiful country. But I I know, like when you were born, the war was then coming quite soon after that. Yeah, I know that y- your family had to flee from the city, gradually moving further and and further west as the the war went on. You were obviously very young when the the war broke out and you, you've spoken before that you, you don't have a, a a lot of memories off it yeah But as you were then sort of growing up in the the aftermath of it how how difficult was it to to try and just have a normal life and learn to be a kid and just play football
3: Yo, basically, uh, the thing is that at this point I was only, um, I would say, a year and a half old, you know, as a baby, and, uh, you know, uh, I know, and basically, you know, it was so hard time for my parents, you know, because, I mean, we lost everything, uh, you know, because of the war and, and all this stuff, so we had to move, my dad stayed in war, and it was, you know, like, heartbreaking story, but not only for us, for the old families, you know, at at this point. uh, And I mean, uh, 1991, you know, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we are all uh, human beings, you know, and uh, you know, you go. I mean, overall, in 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 life, you go through so many hard, uh, you know, uh, times and decisions and everything. But then, you know, my parents, they they made it, they did it. You know, they put us on a, on a, on a feet again, like uh, my brother and myself and my family. And you know, after that, you just go step by step, and uh, you know, you are getting back to the normal life. And uh, you know, this is how we how we made it. And you know, even. Uh, at this point, uh, when you think a little bit deeper about about everything, then uh, I mean, even you have such a much more respect to the people around you, you know, and the people are you are treating with with so much respect, and at the end at the end of the day, this is how you're gonna be treated as well. So,
1: I I remember reading an article years back when you had not long been at RSL, and you talked about playing street soccer and just the joy that you had of, of, yeah. of playing in that. Yeah. It's like, do you still look back as if that was just yesterday, just fond memories of that time?
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, we were like, basically after the war, they uh, kind of, you know, uh, tra- um, you know, they transferred us to the, some hotel in uh, Rieka Opatia, where so many families, uh, I mean, just moved there because of the war. So and for us at this age, you know, when I was like four, five, six, seven, this age, you know, young, it was only whatever, kindergarten, school, and then afternoon it was be it, it would be playing soccer on the street, you know. And this is how basically you fall in love, uh, you know, with the with the sport you like the most. And in my case it was soccer, it was football, you know. And um, I mean, when when you said this, I have now memories in my life and uh, I can't believe it was whatever, almost like 30 years ago. Yeah. So... And uh, this is, you know, something special uh, that you go through this childhood and then you never know what's going to be. But then you, you know, go through the academy and then you realize, okay, something could be. Then even you're more focused on yourself, uh, you know, um, just to try to make this happen, to become a pro and to enjoy, you know, the the life. And as I said, as I mentioned before, for me, uh, you know, it's a privilege to do what I love to do, because I would say. Uh, 1% or 2% people overall in general, in the world, doing what they love to do. And because of that, I appreciate, uh, you know, what I'm doing, playing soccer because this is for me, a passion. This is for me, uh, something that uh, I love uh, the most. So, I mean, beside my family, this is, you know, the second thing that, you know, I can't go without.
1: Because of everything that you went through in your childhood, is that kind of the driving force behind, like, Crylax Corner and what, what you did with RSL and the Crylax Corner and the, the tickets for the kids? It, it was wonderful. and it's yeah, like, I mean... it, It's just, it's a special thing to give back. And, and because of what you went through, did that kind of like spur you on to do that
3: yeah definitely to be honest about Kralax Corner I have to give all the credit to be to the people from the RSL and Kyle Stroder who is the director of RSL Foundation you know he came up to me with this idea and I mean I didn't even think one second you know I said definitely yes because I know uh true Uh, what hard time my family you know went and uh, I mean so many people then because of that I didn't just you know think one second and for me it was like Uh, you know, so reasonable that, uh, you know, of course I'm going to do it. And it would be, to be honest, for me, a honor and privilege to do it, to help the people, to, you know, to enjoy the game, to support the team, to be, you know, uh, every other week at a stadium to that, uh, you know, this thing became as a ritual, you know, because you know how it is in, you know, Scotland, in, you know, in Europe, Germany, England, I mean, to, to, to watch the, your favorite theme. That's ritual. That's something you can, uh, you know, go without. And because of that, you know, I I mean, it was for me like just normal, you know, pad that uh, not I should or I must do. I would like to do. And I did this, you know, with, with all of my heart. And uh, basically me and my wife decided like this pretty quickly that for sure we would like to do it. But as I said before, all credit, you know, to the people from RSL for, for Kyle, you know, to, you know, have an idea about it.
1: Well, that's absolutely fantastic. It it was just such a a great scheme so good to to see you doing that going back then to your your own youth when when did you know that you wanted to be a, a professional footballer? When when did you know that you had what it took to, to be a professional footballer? Yeah, you know,
3: in academy, this is a little bit, to be honest, a little bit tricky, you know. Uh, and, you know, you came to some age like 13, 14. And basically, you know, you have friends, you have coaches saying they're good, they're not good, or whatever. But then, uh, you know, it is so much talent, basically, and I always said, like, uh, talent is something else, but, you know, to have the real goal, real path, you know, to be disciplined, to work hard, I mean, it's always going to be the talent. And in my generation, was so many talents, but unfortunately, you know, the life gets you something else. But on my mind, it was, you know, that, okay, if I get there to under whatever, 15, 16, 17, and, you know, I joined a couple of times, the first team, okay, it shows me that, you know, like I have some quality, you know, I mean, I'm not like the complete player, not at this age, you know. Uh, but when you show that, you know, sometimes they, they you join the first team, then you said to yourself, OK, my goal is, you know, to become a pro, you know, uh, now I have the, the pad, just to working hard, you know, to listen for some advices for the older players, coaches, teammates, especially at this point, parents, brother, you know, have a huge, huge role, you know, to stay focused because you know like in this age 16 17 18 like i would say the street can get you something uh, somewhere you know and i mean in this case maybe it's not going to be soccer it's going to be something else but you know i knew it exactly what i wanted you know and you know i had like clear path that i want to be, be became a professional and as i said at the end of the day i'm so grateful that that i've done it
1: bringing you right back up to date then and and coming to vancouver uh, we know about the the back injury that you had, and I, I've had back injuries for about fifteen years, and it's just something that I can't get rid of. Thankfully, I don't play football, so that it's not that big a problem. But I I know it's a tough thing to get over, and I spoke to Axel last week, and he mentioned that you you'd done your rehabbing on turf under the dome in Utah. So being on turf, you don't feel it's going to be an issue for the back problem. Do you feel that you're now kind of fully recovered from that?
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, like uh, the thing is that I got injured on April 17, 2022 in a game against New York CFC. Then first six weeks we try, you know, to get this done without surgery. And then with the um, you know, team uh, medical medical team in RSL, we decided to do surgery. So surgery I've done like on June second, two thousand twenty-two. And then four months later, basically it was October around October fifteenth, twentieth, I was already, you know, training with the ball on the turf, you know. And the thing is, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, to be honest, the best decision, but I mean we know how it's so late, you know, let's say from November first till April 1st, it's hard to be on a regular grass, you know. And, uh, you know, I was training, to be honest, like five months straight on a turf. And, uh, you know, of course, sometimes we just managed, uh, you know, the loading, the trainings and everything. But then, like, uh, coming into 2023... I was, uh, you know, completely, uh, completely healed from March or April, you know, and uh, I mean, thanks God you know, 2023, I had like, whatever, uh, 20 games as a starter, uh, 12 games coming in, uh, you know, and now I'm completely, completely healed, so.
1: Well, that's fantastic. And uh, like we're glad to to have you here. Just last couple of things. The... Thank you. I really appreciate that. We know how good a player you are because the Whitecaps are one of the teams that you've scored the most against in in MLS so it's nice to have you now on our side and not scoring against us but what do you feel you can offer this team like Vanny and Axel they've spoken about how you can play as a forward you can play as a 10 you can play as an 8 are you just happy to be playing whatever role Vanny wants you to play
3: Exactly, you know, and I mean, from our first conversation I had with, with Vani, it was exactly uh, why I had like very good feelings, you know, about Vancouver, about Caps. the same when I talked to Axel, uh, you know, and I said uh, as well to the coach, you know, no one, even I'm coming to Vancouver, no one need to promise me any minutes, anything. I just want to have competition that, you know, I show up myself in a training and then as it's everywhere in the world that the coach is going to get a decision if it's going to be that i'm gonna you know be on the bench if it's gonna be that i'm gonna start you know i'm gonna always support the, the the teammates you know and uh you know i don't like to be honest talk about like my positive things you know as a player this is more up to you guys you know yeah. to, to rate me rate me as a player uh, but the thing is, you know, I just want to help the team, uh, you know, off and on the field. What role is going to be? This is then up to coach if it's going to be from the beginning or, you know, coming into the game on be from the bench. Uh, you know, just because I, I what I saw last year that here is so much talent in this team, uh, you know, and the uh, like had, as I mentioned before, great season. But still, I think, you know, uh, as looking from outside, like example, last year, that is, uh, so much, uh, you know, uh, space to improve and to be better, which they did in the last couple of, couple of years. And this is what I'm going to try to help, you know, uh, you know, to, to help the, 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 team, you know, with a great mentality, uh, and then, you know, helping the team with uh, you know, goals, assists and, uh, you know, whatever coaches, uh, coach, uh, staff, uh, would, would ask for
1: and just the the last thing really you've been here a few times visiting with rsl have you ever had a chance to really explore the city and obviously i know you're heading off to marbella now for a while mm-hmm. so are, are your family already up here or is that going to all happen once you you get back from spain
3: oh we had like i mean we had great opportunity the last two three days to see the city to explore the city because we arrived here my wife and uh, two two daughters uh, you know, to find the schools, to find the, the, the place, you know, where we're going to live. And, you know, it was pretty busy, but it was so, uh, you know, so I would say worthwhile, you know, just, you know, to to to, to try to explore city as soon as possible and to fit in a city. And basically my family, girls, they left today morning. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's, uh, you know, to say something about Vancouver, I don't need to say nothing because, you know, it's like top five, you know, cities in the world, you know, uh I mean this is uh I had like great uh, you know uh, the advice is from Ranko, you know, because before I was signing here I was talking a lot with him, I was talking a lot with Florian Jungwirt, you know, the 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 because we know each other from from Germany and you know playing yeah. in MLS against each other. Uh, then I talk, uh, you know, as well with the coach, with Axel, with with Queen, and uh, with Zach McMath. You know, he was goalkeeper. He oh, goalkeeper, of course, yeah, exactly. And then with Sergio Cordova. So we we are very good friends, you know. And he gave me some, you know, advices as well. So for me, it's uh, you know that uh, I'm already, you know, part of the of the white caps of the locker room, you know, and uh, you know just coming uh, two days ago and. Uh, Uh, see all the faces and uh, this warm welcome, you know, it makes you special, you know, because sometimes it's it's tough to change the club, especially after so many years to get out of the comfort zone, you know, to come into the new club and you never know how it's going to be, you know, but they welcome me that I'm here already like... uh, you know, a couple of years, you know, especially not only the players, it was like the media staff, medical staff, uh, you know, over the phone with uh, with the coaching staff over the phone with Axel and Queen. So I'm very happy to be part uh, of and take this new challenge. As I said uh, as well before, it is so much work ahead, but I'm looking forward to to it and I'm so happy and I can't wait to, to get started.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much, mayor. Pleasure to have you here. Looking forward Thank to seeing you, so you on much. the pitch and enjoy Marbella. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Thank you. It's <laughs> great meeting you over yeah. the Zoom. Yeah, oh, I'll, I'll see you in person soon, I'm sure. Exactly. Okay. Looking Take forward care. to it. Have a good one. Bye bye. Absolutely fantastic stuff from Demir there, absolute pleasure to speak to him and as you can tell from that chat, absolutely fantastic guy to have in the squad, great character, experience for the locker room, a leader and it's exactly what this Cap squad is needing to help take them to that next level, spoke about a, a lot there and it was a, a tough decision for him to to leave RSL but as he mentioned there, he's wanting more playing time, he's wanting to to have a role that he feels he can still do and it's clear that what Vanny and Axel spoke to him about as his role at the Whitecaps would be, is probably going to give him more of what he's looking for than what RSL were offering which was going to certainly be a much more reduced role by the sounds of it and whether his body can produce what he produced in his heyday in MLS. Which I say heyday, I mean, it, we're, we're only going back to 2021, so it's not exactly many, many years ago. But obviously, as you get older, can your body perform to those levels? mayor certainly feels he can. He feels he's back to his best. And we'll get a good gauge of that when the MLS season kicks off in March. Maybe even for the Tigres game, if he can rise to the occasion for that in February. He's certainly a player that's going to give Vanny a lot of different strings to his bow. And he's happy to just play where Vanny wants him to be, whether that's an 8, whether that's a 9, whether that's a 10. And we'll see where it all fits in. I think he's going to play a variety of roles for the club this year. And it's going to allow Vanny to have a bit more rotation and confidence in doing that rotation, giving Ryan Gold a bit of rest, giving Brian White a bit of rest as well. And let's just see what this season has in store. We also spoke there about his Krylax Corner, which it allowed over 400 children to attend every match that otherwise wouldn't have had that opportunity. And I, I I didn't want to to push it there as to whether he was going to do that here and put him on the spot this early, because obviously he has to have those discussions with the Whitecaps. But he, he won the RSL 2022 Humanitarian of the Year Award. He's been very involved in the Salt Lake community and spoke about his love for Salt Lake and how it's always going to be in his heart. And if you read his Instagram farewell message to the fans, just how much that city, the club, the fan base meant to him and his family. And I'm sure he's going to have exactly the same here. We didn't talk a lot there, obviously, about his time over with Union Berlin. I want to do that when we've got more time because obviously we covered a lot there and we we had a big, big chat with Demir who was doing a lot of media on Monday as well so I really appreciate him being so generous with his time but I would love to sit down we'll get Zach on to talk about his time over in Germany as well once the season is a bit underway but one thing we did have time to find out about from him does Demir Krylak fancy a chocolate digestive? <laughs> We, we do this thing on our show and we say you're not a Whitecaps player until we, you've done this on our show. So it's just a fun, fun thing about food yeah. and drink. So yeah. if you're sitting at home and you decide you want to have a hot drink, do you have a tea or a coffee or a hot chocolate?
3: So, oh, that's I mean, you basically gave me all the options. So tea in the morning coffee about like 4 pm and hot chocolate would be to be honest like uh, as a baby around like nine so ah nice yeah yeah and
1: like, that's, that's kind of routine you know do, do you have a sweet tooth do you like to have a sweet treat with your drinks
3: uh so sweet treat yes yeah, so, like i mean the most of the time it is like overnight oatmeal as well for the snacks you know, I'm kind of, you know, for snack time around four with the coffee. But this is kind of what I like to do in the morning, like, you know, with the tea, after tea, like to eat some yogurt, granola. That's that's kind of the ritual, you know. Ah, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyone fancy a chocolate
1: digest Anyone fancy a chocolate digest No chocolate digestive or really sweet treats for Demir there. He's a healthy man. He's got to keep his body in good shape. 34, turning into 35. Overnight oats. Favourite of my wife's as well. We'll see if we can tempt him with some sweet treats along the way. But let us know what you thought of our chat with Demir there. Let us know how you see him figuring into the White Cat's plans. Are you excited for him to be a part of Vancouver's team this year? Why would you not be? But we will be back with more chat and this week's song from 1974 after this. How's it
4: going, guys? I'm Ben Fisk. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM and kicking off this part from Wales it's the Stereophonics with a song taken from their debut album Word Gets Around released in March 1997 it was also the band's first single that was Local Boy in the Photograph and I've played that one in honour of the man that we're going to be speaking to in a couple of minutes' time, because Vancouver FC have added a local boy to their roster. The man from East Van, Ben 10 himself, Ben Fisk, returning to the Lower Mainland, returning to Vancouver after being away for more than a decade, signed with Vancouver FC this past week. Joining the club after three successful seasons at Cavalry FC, coming to Vancouver FC as well on the back of Cavalry winning the regular season CPL title, and it was confirmed that Fisk was part of that surprising future considerations clause that saw Cavalry FC move up in the CPL draft just last month. The 30 year old. To be 31. Next month, returns to Vancouver, his fourth CPL side now, a man known to many of us at AFTN, a a guy I've known personally since 2011, have a lot of time for Ben Fisk, he's just a a great guy on and off the pitch. Came through the Whitecaps Academy, was part of that historic under 18 Whitecaps side that just... Just moments away from lifting the USSDA Championship in 2012. Now teaming up with another teammate from that side, Callum Irvin. One of his all-time best friends in football as well. He never made that breakthrough to the the Whitecaps MLS side that we were all hoping for. Played for the under-23s in the PDL with the Whitecaps. Was on loan with Charleston Battery. Then headed over to Spain where he played with Caruxo and Deportivo B before returning to Canada in 2016 signing with FC Edmonton, went over to Ireland to play for Derry City before coming to join Pacific FC in the inaugural CPL season. Six goals in his 24 appearances for Pacific, made the move to Atletico Ottawa for the COVID-hit 2020 season before landing in Calgary, Playing those three seasons with Cavalry FC, 58 appearances, three goals. He's now come home and will be wearing the red and black of Vancouver FC in 2024. And I mentioned uh, I played the Stereophonics local boy in the photograph there at the start because Vancouver FC teased that they had a signing to announce on Monday night on their social media. They put out, tweeted out on Instagram a, a photo of a player with a ball nicely in front of his face so you couldn't fully identify him. Many of us knew by looking at the pictures that it was indeed Ben Fisk in a park in East Van. Internet detectives also had done a fantastic job looking at the wedding ring on his finger, his shoes, his watch, clothes, trying to figure out who it was. But it was, of course, Ben Fisk coming back to Vancouver and we got a chance to sit down with Ben on Thursday just to talk about coming back to his hometown to play for his local side. I think it's safe to say he's excited as a kid in a candy store at this opportunity. So go stick the kettle back on, grab another biscuit of choice because you are worth it. Sit back and enjoy our chat with Ben 10 himself. Here's Fisky. so welcome back to the show a man with superpowers he's no ordinary kid in fact he's quite old now he's about to turn 31 and he's now married he's had more canadian clubs than mike weir <laughs> it's the east van Messi. others will know him as Ben 10. it's our good friend ben Fisk. welcome back to the show
4: what welcome back home too I guess it's uh, an absolute pleasure to be uh chatting with such familiar faces and uh I've always you know really really appreciated the support I've got from you guys over the years no matter where I've been at which country which club uh it's been pretty pretty special having having all these connections back home uh and now bringing it full circle uh where we get to see a lot more of each other
1: yeah it's it's great to have you back it, it genuinely is and i mean we've talked loads over the years i looked back to see i, I don't know if i ever i must have chatted to you at some scrum at, at cavalry but the last proper sit down interview we had well it wasn't sit down because you were quarantined in a room <laughs> in ottawa in march 2020 so just before the world shut down or just as it was oh. shutting down was the last time that we had a proper chat
4: that yeah, that's incredible. The weird thing, I guess, that doesn't feel like too long ago, and then you look at the calendar, right, and it's yeah. uh, coming up on four years. So uh, lots changed. I feel like the the virtual interview is uh, is now the norm. Where at that point, uh, it was a lot more just over the phone or or face to face, right?
1: Yeah, I I love this. I I, yeah. I like like Zoom for me has changed the way that we do things on the show, and it's made me lazy as well. Like I, I don't go out to Whitecaps training much anymore. I just yeah. Just do it all by Zoom, but I'll. If there's familiar faces now up at VFC, I'll be popping up a lot more. I think this year, but let let's get into to this because a lot has changed since we we last talked, and obviously we, we spoke at your introductory press conference on Tuesday. You were so excited, you were like a kid in a candy store. You that smile, you couldn't wipe it off your face. So we we we'll touch on a little bit as to to what we talked about there but how how did this move play out because when vancouver fc were starting last year you were one of the names that i kind of threw out to folk of oh yeah you're going to try and get ben to to come home and i was told you're very happy in alberta off the pitch as well you were really settled and it it wasn't the direction that the club was looking at so what's changed and how are you now here in vancouver Hmm. fc
4: yeah, I mean, uh, winning the regular season championship uh, by a record 13 points doesn't hurt. Uh, it definitely felt like uh, like good timing to uh, to complete my chapter at Cavs. I think, um, you know, I, I bounced around the first couple of years of the league. It, it was sort of the climate at that point. It was a bit yeah. like the Wild Wild West, right? There wasn't many longer-term deals uh, for anybody. Um, and so, you know, you're kind of, especially for the older guys, you're bouncing around a bit, you uh, uh, I don't want to say chasing the money, but, you know, it, it, it Ooh, is, yeah. is what it is. It, it was, uh, it, you know, a, a brand new market that that needed to stabilize, right? And and so that you saw with a few guys uh, like myself kind of bouncing around. So um, when I decided to leave Ottawa, it was I wanted some stability. I wanted to, uh, you know, I was in the prime of my career. I wanted to co- compete for trophies year in, year out. Um, and, you know, looking through the first two years of, of the league, uh it was okay it's cavalry or forge those are the teams that that i'm confident now two very very different seasons obviously with island games being uh the shortened bubble season but two very different seasons with with their own um unique adversities thrown at those clubs and those are the two clubs that had performed two years in a row um so 2021 i took some uh some time uh, before signing anywhere I, I was hoping to go to one of those two ultimately cavalry um ended up happening uh, after their bubble so i went summer of 2021 i believe so i had a bit of a bit of a sabbatical before that but uh again that was kind of where where i wanted to land and and very simple close to home and compete for trophies it was it was those two things so um again i think when vfc was launched to bring it all back to that question um of course a, a part of me you know wants to come home wants all this that i that i'm getting to experience now but uh, I also hadn't really uh, ticked off that box that mm-hmm. that I'd gone to Calgary for, um, so that was the main thing. I was, you know, committing to that goal that I'd set, you know, with Tommy Wielden when I when I first signed at the club. Uh, we were going to bring silverware to Calgary, and and uh, I really really wanted to see that through. Um, ultimately, of course, uh, we were able to do that in 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 stunning fashion. I think. One of the most memorable seasons of my my career uh both for good and bad we 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 accomplished that goal but i also you know had my my fair share of injuries and stuff uh, and something that i hadn't really dealt with much in my career before so um incredible year and again it kind of ticked that uh that objective that i was searching for uh so fast forward to to now um again the the conversations with vfc and rob uh, started back in the summer after we played here um and you know it every conversation i had it it felt that much more real and that much more exciting and ultimately of course was was uh way too way too good to turn down
1: yeah i mean i I was delighted for for cavalry last year tommy me go back to the pdl days with foothills and stuff and it, it it was it was great to see that and then i mean it was great seeing you back here playing in that game scoring against vfc as well especially yeah. after after the injury because it was sciatica you had wasn't it
4: yeah yeah and i'd never really uh, experienced any nerve pain or anything like that before again i've been been very blessed injury wise for my career um, i've always been a guy who's can grind it out basically self-medicate a little bit uh and i don't mean drugs i just mean you know yeah. like additional time in the treatment room additional time in the weight room like I've always, uh, taken very good care of my body and, and prided myself on that. Um, so this one, I tried to kind of treat the same way and, and, uh, it's one of those injuries for anyone that's experienced nerve pain. Uh, unfortunately like less is more. Um, uh, so I just kept kind of hammering it and, um, eventually kind of, uh, culminated in a preseason trip to, to Seattle and Portland lost sensation in my, my foot and my calf, which obviously as a footballer's is n- not ideal. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was it was shite, to be
1: honest, like to put it very bluntly. It no, I, I actually I've suffered sciatica for about 10 years. Yeah, I've, I've got a trap nerve in my back and it's like yeah. it, it flares up. It was really bad. I had it for just over a year and I was on tablets and I didn't think it was ever going away. And I was like, is this my life now? And it was hell. Yeah. But then yeah, no, it, it got better with physio and stuff, and it flares up every now and again. But thank, I know what you were going through; it's awful.
4: Yeah, well, I can't imagine ten years of it. I had uh, a few months, and that was enough for me. So, uh, I don't know, you know, what exactly has worked for you. Ultimately, for me, it was I, I did do a cortisone shot, uh, and from that moment onward, like that was when the feeling started to come back in my leg, and everything just needed to like completely settle down.
1: Um, yeah, I, I got yeah. one.
4: Did it help at all?
1: Yeah, it was that, and they—I had—I can't even remember what the tablets were, but they—they they helped as well. But then after a year, it was pretty much, like it. Just every now and again, it'll flare up. But yeah. it's like you're probably in a bit, a lot better physical shape than me anyway. So
3: no,
4: I, I, I do not plan on letting this thing flare up again. I've uh, buried it away in a deep, dark cave, which it came. <laughs>
1: i do not blame you <laughs> Let, let's talk about happier times then so yeah
4: let's
1: do it. You, you spoke about the excitement uh of coming home properly in that press conference on tuesday and today as well like when you left the white caps in 2013 you went to charleston then i know you, you were over in spain and ireland and came back and I, I listened to an interview that we did uh at pacific back in 2019 and you spoke about wanting to come back to the CPL in that first year because it was be special and i asked you then if the CPL had existed when you were in the white cap days would that have shaped things differently looking back on it now all these years later could you ever have envisaged that there would be a domestic league in canada and you'd still have a chance to play in vancouver but just not for a team that was a white caps
4: yeah, it's a pretty crazy thought, isn't it? Yeah. Um I think at that stage of my life, um I think I was pretty set on on trying to make something happen overseas. And and uh again playing with the White Caps was was incredible. And and you know, had I ended up staying for, for a longer period with the first team and and you know, playing at BC Place in a packed stadium in front of friends and family, that of course was was very uh you know, desirable for me at the time. Uh, but also ultimately I was pretty frustrated without uh, getting uh, what I felt was, you know, a proper kind of look uh, and, an opportunity to earn some minutes kind of thing with the first team. Um, so at that point, you know, I was 19, 20 years old with a chip on my shoulder kind of thing. And and so I do think leaving was what I needed. Um, yeah. That being said, I think a few years prior kind of thing, when I, I was still a bit younger and, 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 uh, I guess, without that chip on my shoulder sort of thing, I think um definitely a league like this would have been incredible, right? You could, I could imagine myself in a, a Vasco Fry type situation who was just announced today, right? He came on loan yeah. last season uh, from the white caps right to get to get minutes. I think something like that would have been incredible for me to uh, to get minutes uh, but still stay under the white umbrella and and definitely, I think you know, knowing what I know now <laughs> and being twenty years old again, something I would have been really interested in um but again at, at that point i think yeah i, I kind of had this chip on my shoulder and wanted to to pack my bags and never know
1: kinda... it was the best thing for you to do for sure and white caps too didn't come to 2015 and you couldn't have hung a lot around that long just trying to break yeah. through so i mean do those days seem an age away now i, I can't believe you're 31 next month
4: yeah i know <laughs> right uh I mean, that's the funny thing about football, right? Like it's like our whole lives are condensed into a, into a 15 year career. And and sometimes it's easy to forget that you have a whole life to live uh, once you're done playing. Um, I don't know. I think any, just about everything in my career, I kind of remember like it was yesterday. So everything from from signing my first uh, residency contract at the Whitecaps onwards, I'm you know I think I could recall in pretty great detail. Um, but yeah, yeah. Know, it would make for a very long interview.
1: <laughs> right. We we could probably chat for over an hour and make this an interesting yeah, one. Easily. But if, if like you, you play for a couple of teams in Spain and you you won a league cup in Ireland with Derry City what did those european experiences teach you about yourself both as a player as as a person like both on and off the pitch
4: i think um again to to that comment about recalling things from my whole career i think i'm someone every i could tell you every every chapter every club that i've been at every season i've had i could tell you exactly what what i added to my game and to my person um from the experiences I lived and learned from. Um, I think Spain was, uh, well, in a lot of ways, was the most exciting chapter of my career. It was the closest I came to, you know, to break in through at the highest level. You know, this total side, uh, conversation with it like the closest i came to be on on the bench for for a first team game in la liga was was away to barcelona and you know up until up until friday i i had a bag packed like ready to go kind of thing thinking oh, that wow. that was that was possibly going to happen ultimately a couple first team guys come back from injury and it doesn't pan out kind of thing but um you know so so for that reason it was you know the closest i got to touching that that pinnacle of the sport The flip side of it was also at the end of it, I would say it was like the darkest uh, period of my career because it it was, it felt like a little bit of a a failure in in being so close I could touch it but not, you know, crossing that line and and, and establishing myself and, and losing that opportunity so I think Spain taught me a lot about myself uh as a player it's when i when i learned the most i feel like it's when i became the most complete version of myself and and you know the the traits that i've built the rest of my career on i feel like i i honed uh through those years in spain and um you know learned a lot on the tactical side learned a lot uh even just professionalism and, and learning from from big players uh you know guys like luis alberto number 10 for for lazio uh those are the types of guys i was i was alongside and learning from um so it it was great. It was humbling in, 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 uh, in that regard, but it also gave me a lot of confidence in in what I brought to the game. and, and, uh, and I, again, like I said, kind of what I could carry through for for the rest of my career. Um, so Spain, education, I guess, and Ireland, how much I love winning. Man. <laughs> oh man, even uh, you know, just just winning three points uh, in a league game. Just the passion, the commitment uh, that that the fans have to the clubs there it was incredible. You, you know, after a loss, you didn't really want to be seen around town, kind of thing, right? After a win, you're, you're not paying for a round kind of thing. So, uh, winning on you know on on the smaller side, like game to game, and then and ultimately uh, culminating with winning the league cup, I was like, oh man, I got to do this again. This is this is everything I've I've ever been working for, kind of thing.
2: Oh yeah. So about about Spain, I was wondering, because there's a few things in your journey that are really interesting in terms of how they um, are a bit of a microcosm of the Canadian footballer journey uh, in one sense. So I'm just wondering in your time in Spain, um, what was it like going to Deportivo uh, uh, where you were like kind of in one sense, kind of following in the footsteps of like a Julian de Guzman, like there was a Canadian who was there before you. And then also Sam Piet obviously was there before you, and you sort of overlapped a bit. I think right before he went online. Yeah,
4: yeah we li- lived together for a year as well.
2: So, like, what was what was that like in terms of like uh, following some other trailblazers into a into like like where they were they like oh here's another Canadian we know Julian we know Sam like like how was that like can, can, like was, did that help pave the way for you that was that a like a good thing was that a positive was it like yeah how did it help you maybe
4: yeah yeah very much so I mean. Um... I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty, but Julian actually played a, a role in, in Sam and I getting there. The the agent that helped us out was uh, was a good friend in La Coruña uh, of Julian when, during his days there. So he got connected with with some Canadian agents. And so that's actually how it all came to be. So without Julian, I don't think either one of us ever would have ended up at, at Debord. I think it was very cool, honestly, is <laughs> how I describe it. It was very cool to see a guy that I grew up watching and idolizing, like, um Calum and I were like joking yesterday actually like we both remember when we were like 12 13 years old like trying to add the de Guzman brothers on Facebook and like ask them questions about uh how they you know got where they are like how can we follow you in your footsteps kind of thing um and the coolest part they they replied right like like I literally I remember I clear as day uh like again not not a very long conversation by any means who this young kid from Vancouver that uh you know thinks he's Ronaldo or something like that but uh Again, the time that they they spent like literally just just a quick little interaction with a kid who's trying to make it uh, always stuck with me, and so that's mm-hmm. obviously something I've tried to carry on through my career is is never being too too big for my boots kind of thing, taking time with the kids. Um, but to bring it back to Spain, I think uh, it was cool to walk in that guy's footsteps, to put it bluntly, right to to go to a pretty small town where uh, you tell someone you're Canadian and they go, oh, the goose man. Like, right. Like it is the coolest thing in the world. Um, And, uh, you know, also to have Sam there, I think was, was awesome. We played in the U twenties together a lot, U 23s. um, Good, good buddy of mine to this day. Uh, And so again, having someone to, to kind of uh, just bounce things off day to day, right. The good, the bad, and the ugly Uh, you're not going through it alone. and, And you're, you're not going through it with, uh, People, where you know, my Spanish is pretty darn good, but uh, it's not the same when when you're upset or, or frustrated, kind of thing, right? So having having a familiar face to to lean on was was pivotal for sure.
2: Yeah, to speak to speak the language of your heart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's really cool. That's good. To, that's good to hear too. Okay, so one other question, and Michael might have touched on this a little bit, but I'm wondering if you can, through the you know the the wisdom of your years now and your life experience and your football experience. Age. Yeah, your old your old age. Are you gonna be? You're gonna be what? Thirty
1: one in April. In February.
2: February. February. Sorry, February. Man,
1: he's yeah. not. He's not the old man at the team anymore. Anyway, because we're non signed. That's so. true. That's yeah. I also but,
4: conveniently planned my wedding a day after my birthday, so it's nice and easy to remember. So February is a big month for me.
1: Uh, wisdom. There's that's, wisdom. That's why right my there. wedding's Halloween. I can't forget Just
4: that. T- tactical in every way. <laughs>
1: Okay, but with with all
2: your experiences now and just the stage of life you're in or whatever, I wonder if you could, for a moment, just maybe sh- share some reflections or ser- share some thoughts on your your time, but also looking back on maybe the group or groups holistically that came through the Whitecaps residency program. Because Michael and I, right, we've been we followed you guys for a lot over the years in different ways. But one of the things that we that was always difficult for us or always we all we didn't have a, a, a great answer for was you you guys seem and did not just your group there was multiple groups that were like this right where it was like you guys together were dominant at age levels like you guys like bossed those ussda whatever leagues you were in and made yeah. finals and did all this stuff and but then it was difficult for you guys to make the breakthrough individually into the whitecaps first team or in some cases in other teams down down the road i'm just wondering as you look back on it, maybe from your own personal experience, but even just experiences of your friends and guys a little bit older than you, a little bit younger than you, if the, if you have any insight or wisdom as to what could be improved so that those kind of dominant groups can maybe make breakthroughs better to, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I know for some guys, everyone's different or whatever. And some guys, I'm sure the the easy response is, oh, they weren't really put in a position to succeed in the first team. And, you Mm -hmm. know, the opportunities they were given weren't great opportunities or they weren't given opportunities or whatever. And so that's maybe the easy answer, but is there, is there anything when you look at it for the sake of like Canadian football as a whole, are there things that not just the white caps, but other clubs can do better at help helping players make the leap from, that you whatever you 18 you 19 to perfect to, to be a professional and obviously things like mls next pro are helpful for that but yeah, yeah and league one league one is maybe helpful for that but yeah what are your thoughts on on the pathway from quality youth player to professional
4: yeah no great question i mean uh uh yeah the the elephant in the room is is of course the opportunity you can develop all the players in the world but you need to you need to give them a chance to To prove themselves and most importantly give them a chance to fail i think uh if you have the backing of the club you you know you you slowly build that confidence and integrate yourself into that higher level and i think there's you know i don't need to tell you guys how many players have have come through that system that for sure were capable of making that jump and and it didn't happen for whatever reason um so that's for sure part of it but again it's not it's far from the only reason uh i think um thinking about it like holistically uh, raising players to play in the first team versus um, raising, you know, developing teams to win at, at the young ages, I think is, is a good one. Um, Cause you're right. Like we were used to winning. We were used to being the big dogs. Uh, we we're used to uh, you know, the, especially the, the sort of standout players um, that we, you know, we were playing in the national team together and stuff like at, at one point, I think, my residency team was myself, Ben, Callum, Caleb, Bryce, Daniel Stanese, uh, Yassine, Essa, um, that's eight, eight or nine guys right there that were all, you know, a part of our U twenty national team. Like that's pretty impressive from one one academy, right? Um, so there was this feeling of like together, like we're like, you know, I don't, don't want to say golden generation, generational that other people like put those types of labels on it, but there were there was a confidence there. Um amongst us that you know we're good and we know it and we're gonna we're gonna make something of this kind of thing so that's awesome i think you need that that to uh to take the level you need a healthy amount of ego in the in this business right um but at the same time potentially we could have been uh, better prepared to fill roles in the first team right not just be the top players at our age group like where what is the pathway for us to fit into what the first team is doing Tactically, um, you know positionally uh even learning uh different sides of the game like with that team we like you said we more or less bopped everybody like we did what we wanted we played out of the back we uh you know we we tried things we were creative like reality is at the professional level like winning is the only thing that matters of course your your playing style uh is is great if it works right but uh, you know, ask ask Burnley fans under Sean Dykes, right? Like they, they'd rather win games than than play beautiful. And uh, there's no one way to win, right? There's no one perfect way to to play football. That's why it's the beautiful game. Uh, and that's a, you know we could talk about that side of things for for a long time as well. But so I think to bring it all back, uh, preparing us to fill specific roles in in what the first team was looking for would maybe be my my thing. And and I think a good example of it that you know, has come full circle now would be Sam Atakubi. I think, um, I don't know if it was on purpose or by accident, but he uh, you know, he just fit the mold of of what uh the first team was looking for in a left back at the time. Conveniently, you know, Jordan Harvey had the injury. I remember Sam had a great run of games, right? And um and in my opinion, uh absolutely like solidified himself uh and and should have, you know. We could be talking about Sam now having a 15-year Caps career, right? And and being, uh, you know, the main man. 15 years might be a bit of an exaggeration. 10 years, whatever. Um, and, of course, I don't know if Sam would have changed anything. He played for Galatasaray. How many Canadians can say that, right? Um, but just to give you an example of someone who succeeded uh, because I think he he obviously is a great player, a great person, but also uh, filled the right role at the right time.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting to hear you say that. More about uh, pre- preparation for roles, because yeah, I think we did see some of those players go through, and then they definitely were not put in roles that they were used to or roles that they were prepared for. Yeah, and and, and to be do.
4: like totally blunt, like I think I'm one of the best examples of it, right? Like I was, you know, playing as a ten in in the youth teams and and more or less doing what I wanted, right? I was scoring goals, assisting, like roaming, and not a complete not a free role, but you know what I mean? Like kind of very much enjoying my football in a creative role. Um, and so I started training with the first team. Well, am I going to play that role over Davide Cumiento at, at 18, 19 years old? Pro- probably not. Right. Um, so I think, you know, that that's a great example right there where I think I had all the attributes to fill, uh, you know, a different, you know, more like blue collar type role uh, to begin with. Right. I just needed to be nudged in that direction and nurtured in that way.
2: Yeah, that, that makes sense, yeah.
1: Let's get it back to VFC. What role do you see yourself playing at the club? Because with last season, with the injuries, you had the you missed the start, you made four starts overall from your, your 17 appearances. Do you still see yourself as a starter in this league? I'm pretty sure every player does. Would you see yourself, would you be happy with an off-the-bench impact role? Do you see it as kind of a, a bit of both?
4: Uh, definitely never happy with a role like that i am coming in to to make an impact um I think the difference between a 30 31 year old and a 20 year old is that you know how to behave if things aren't going your way um, or you yeah. know how you should behave if they're not going your way so I'm here to to help the club become a, a winning organization when you're in year out uh, if if my role happens to to be lesser than I'm hoping for and expecting I think uh, that's where you need to double down on on what your true commitment is, right? Um, I think I I showed that last season at Cavs, what I was capable of of still still accomplishing as a leader in the group and and uh, an integral part of that locker room. Um, I think my role again in winning the championship was setting a standard that no one could could go below if, if things aren't going your way. Uh so if, you know, 30 year old ex-Canadian international is uh is out on Monday training with the the kids uh you know flying into tackles and and putting everything into it no one else has uh has any excuse but to do the same right so uh all that to say of course I I you know uh, like i said ego is very important in this game you can't you can't make it without one of course i i think i'm one of the best playmakers in the league uh, and, and i think i can really help the team here uh, in a number of different ways and and bring out the best in in some guys uh, that they've already got right so um that's what i'm planning it planning to do and and uh, I, like i said regardless what happens uh, i'll be given everything i've got to the club
2: in an ideal scenario, Ben, where, where would you like to see yourself playing? Is it, is it centrally as a 10 or is it off the wing or, I mean, you've watched, you watched a, a, some VFC last year, so you know a little bit about how action the ways action has lined things up, but do you, like, do you have, obviously, you know, the puzzle's not complete yet and I know more announcements today, more announcements coming, but in an ideal scenario where, where would Ben Fist like to see himself starting matches?
4: That's a question, right? I think uh, he's going to line the team up uh, how he thinks we'll be best set up to succeed. And he will have my my full backing uh, and confidence in that. Um, Some, you know, I guess not to dodge your question, some roles I could see myself filling, uh, you know, an inverted winger on the right giving Tate in the, the right flank. I think we combined really, really well my year at Pacific uh, in that sort of role. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, in, in in preseason, before my injury, uh, Mickey Kentav and I were, were combining really well at Cavs with him off the left and me in the 10 role, um, you know, on that sort of the left side of the central midfielders. So um, those would be two areas right away I think uh, I could impact and and with uh, existing connections that, that I'd be really excited to, to work with again.
1: You're going to be playing with Callum for the first time in a, a long, long time, and like we know, your best friend. I think you mentioned since ten or eleven years old. You've played against him in the CPL. Mm-hmm. Scored against him a few times as well. I didn't. I was gonna. I was gonna check that to see if you had yeah, scored against last, him in the last,
4: last uh, two. No, not two games. Two of the last three games we played against each other. I scored on them. So. I'll oh. be happy that I'm wearing the same colour now.
1: like, Just talk ab- about that friendship, and also with like, Ben McKendry as well, another East Van lad. Just talk about the friendship the three of you guys have had over the years, because obviously you played with Ben uh, in Ottawa as well.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ben and I go back even further. Uh, we met playing at Garden Park for the Grandview Legion when we were five years old, so and I think think we had a sleepover before what game or something like that. <laughs> yeah. The rest was history, right? Stayed up too late playing FIFA and I do I can't remember what we were five, but yeah, it's been been a long story. And then I uh, met Callum when we started training with, uh, with Bart Chauffeur at TSS, I think we were 10, 11 years old. Um, and again, hit it off right away. I think, you know, similar to like what I was saying about being in Spain with Sam, it's, uh, it's very powerful to have, you uh, people close to you going through your trials and tribulations with you along the way and I think uh with Ben Callum and I were a great example of uh one we kept each other humble and, and always you know if one of us was was taking their foot off the gas a little bit the other two were were going twice as hard to pick up the slack kind of thing and you had no choice but to to, to follow along and then train just as hard be just as dedicated uh, you know, there's so many distractions when you're in your, in your teenage years that, that can pull you away from football. And I think the three of us were so locked in. We were, you know, we were like 25, 30 year old pros at, at 15 years old. We all knew what we wanted. We all all knew uh, how we were, well, maybe not how we were going to get there, but we knew the path we wanted to follow and, uh, and held each other accountable. So uh, I, I will only speak for myself, but I, I wouldn't be here talking about the career that i've had with without those two guys
1: i any chance of getting the three amigos together you're gonna push to get ben back now as well
4: uh, I, th- I think he's pretty happy uh starting the next chapter of his life here but uh definitely lots of uh lots of hangouts we've already gotten together a few times and i'm sure he'll he'll, he'll be at lots of games we might maybe an honorary jersey or something like that right. we'll, we'll get him set up with
1: That's Well, talking of jerseys, the number 10 jersey is available. Is that what we're going to see in next year? Uh,
4: We'll see, we'll see. Ah. It hasn't been announced yet, but I'm sure my smile uh, tells you what you need to know.
1: Last thing, it's like, are you already picturing that first game running out? You're going to have so many friends and families there. Are you just counting down the days now?
4: yeah yeah it's it's been such a whirlwind uh really like last month month and a half uh as soon as we got the deal done you know making the move from calgary uh not quite as easy when i packed one suitcase and and booked a one-way ticket to spain uh it, things have changed a lot <laughs> since then marriage for one yeah changes your life you, you get a lot more things that fill the house that you don't know what they do but they're important and,
1: did uh, you pack everything... that white cowboy hat
4: i did not that's a that's actually a good story is one of the foot soldiers uh uh, leaders there he uh, he wears it to every game and uh, that goal celebration was not planned whatsoever it, he was celebrating like throwing his beer around or whatever and it just fell off his head onto the pitch and I picked <laughs> it up but it, it, it's cool when stuff like that happens organically right um, no it didn't pack the cowboy hat but had a lot of other shit to pack that uh, you know don't have to tell anyone <laughs> how shitty moving is, especially yeah. intercity. We've done it a few times. It's a little easier than moving back from Ireland. I'll tell you that much, but uh, again, bu- busy month or so. Uh, so I think like now that we're settled, it's finally like really, really hitting home that, that we're home. And it, it, it's a pretty surreal feeling that, that I'm trying to soak in. Um, mm-hmm. But for sure, I can't wait to be on the pitch. We're, wearing that Jersey and, and uh, seeing everyone in the crowd. It's, it's going to be incredible.
1: Yeah can't wait to, to see you. Hopefully I can get out to the, the first game this year. I couldn't last year because I was commentating. So we'll see where the fixtures throw up, but I'll definitely see you soon. We'll I'll, catch I'll put, up soon. put
4: in a word for you.
1: <laughs> awesome. So take care, and it's great seeing you back. A pleasure having you back here, and I can't wait to see you in the pitch in black and red. Beautiful, guys. Absolute pleasure, as always. We'll see you around
4: very soon. <laughs>
5: Did what it did and
1: sunk it up upon his rest with secrets that it did now we've got super he's no ordinary kid he's born to fight fantastic catching up with Ben Ten Ben Fisk there it's been a while uh, as we mentioned at the start there and yeah great addition to to VFC in a week where they also announced the the re-signing of Vasco Fry, Mickey mm-hmm. Guntav and Renan Garcia. So four good additions, re-additions if you want to look at that and I, Vasco Fry, I think we can class as as a new addition as well. But getting getting back to to fisk before we we get onto those three Zach, how are you feeling about Ben leaving Cavalry, coming home, coming to Vancouver FC, and what you think he's maybe going to offer the team and, and feature for them this this season.
2: Yeah, we, we won't have to deal with all the play acting and training from Meyer ribbon, so he'd probably appreciate that. <laughs> um, but, no, he... Uh, I, yeah, I'm excited. Obviously, I'm excited. I mean, we've he's one of these players we've been watching for more than a decade, right? Like, the, And been following his career and yeah have a lot of time for him and yeah really excited to see what he can contribute i think um i think it was interesting how he answered your question in terms of what his role might be <laughs> um yeah he he i mean he had he had some injuries and whatever last year but he made no bones about it like he is giving his all to be a starter right like he wants to impact this side from um from the starting eleven, and I really, yeah, I'm hoping that that's what happens because yes. if he is, then that that'll bode well for us.
1: I, I I love the passion as well. That if he if he's not there as a start, he's just going to put the extra work in to make sure he gets there, and that's exactly. the attitude you need. And that is yeah. the attitude that Afshin's going to want to see, and that will rub off on, on oh, yeah. the younger guys as well. And we talked about it when we spoke to Renan Garcia a few weeks back. It's like that attitude of him, he's there first, he goes to the gym early, he eats properly, it's rubbed off in the younger players who see that and they're like, wow, this guy's 37 and he's still doing this, I want a long career, these are the things I need to do. And these are the, the characters, these are the role models that you want at the club. And with someone like Ben, I think, if if I was drawing up last this time last year, who I wanted to be on the team, who my yeah. dream guys were, Ben Fisk was, was in that squad. Yeah, and, and
2: maybe we'll still get to see one one other, another one of those. Well, yeah, maybe <laughs> a, another two another, even.
1: Cause I, well, yeah. not Ben McKendry. Uh, no. I, I I thought he might have hung up his boots because he hadn't been playing last year, but it's, as Ben said there, it looks like he's he's pursued other passions post playing football now or career-wise and stuff as well. So, I mean, that that's good to see. We wish Ben all the best. Hopefully see him in the stands. be. haven't seen Ben McKendry for a, a while either. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the guy we've talked about it on the show, Darius Zanata, on the bench recently for Hamilton, unused sub yesterday in, in their game, and he's a guy that you'd think you want to see him back here. David Norman Jr., we'll see what happens with him after his success in Liga Ireland, success for Ben in Liga Ireland as well, so maybe following his footsteps here. But the, vasco fry locking that up when we spoke to vasco last year he said yeah. he was open to it when we saw the whitecaps hadn't taken the contract up for this year we thought it's a formality and i, I like this i like what he's done he's gone there he's made an impact and I, I feel he's fantastic to to have now locked up for next year well this year
2: yeah no he is uh an exciting one i was Kind of pessimistic at the signing, right? I remember when I was first told about it, and then talking to you about it, and I was like, "This doesn't sound like the type of move that's really going to help move the needle in the second half of the season the way we need it." But he he was, I mean, yeah. he, or sorry, he was a part of he was a part of that, right? And um, I mean, I, I knew
1: Lisa' life he got though as well. Oh, totally. Uh, yes, because he was it brought the Vasco Fry, the best Vasco Fry that we knew, totally. what he had done in the past. So yeah, I, I I'm. I'm happy
2: um, for him. I'm happy. I think for us, uh, it, it, you always uh, in sports. You always worry, right, when a player signs that 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 newer contract that's a little bit long, These contracts aren't crazy long or anything like this, right? But you you hope that there's not a, you know, like a, okay, I, there's not a an easing off or whatever, right? You want you're just hoping that he'll keep kicking on and keep fighting, right? Because I think if you're Vasco Fry you went to MLS next pro to try and kick on. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think he's kicked on in the CPL and I think he's still, I think still of an age where he wants to kick on even more. Right. So, yeah. Um, so I hope he, I hope he, I hope we together, we can achieve
1: things that helps him achieve kicking on. Yeah. I, I... Win-win for, for all parties. And we'll, we'll see what this week and next week brings. I would not be surprised uh, if we find there's another big announcement this week and we have another VFC interview, either on in the next podcast or the one after. Mm. But we're we're going to move on from that now. And we've got one more part to go. So dig out the flares, get your polyester <laughs> shirt on, grow that facial hair, because we're transporting back to 1974 and the, kind of the 70s in general as we're going to pay tribute to a football legend that passed away this past week. We'll be back with all of that after this.
4: Hi, I'm Ryan Gold and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
0: Your Tiger thief.
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. And kicking off this part, we've sent you back to 1974. English band Mud with an iconic song from the 70s glam scene released on January 11th, 1974. That was Tiger Feet. Not sure how well known that song or that band even is over here because the glam scene was huge. In the 70s in the the uk zach and i'm not sure how big it was here i know it was pretty big bay city rollers were big so we'll be waving our tartan scarfs later this year as we have some bay city roller songs i've played slade on the show before and mud were a, a very big glam band in the english scene back in the day that gave the band the first of three uk number ones it stayed at number one for four weeks and if you were to ask people in the UK to name five glam songs from the 70s, I think many of them would name Tiger Feet as one of them, even as its own dance that I would love us to get caught on at BC Place for the 50th anniversary. I'm sure they'll be playing all these songs that we play over over the PA system. So I'll do the dance for you now, which will be good for the, the podcast mm-hmm. listeners. Oh, like, no. That's neat, that's neat, that's neat, that's neat. I really love your tiger feet. It's basically just moving your arms up and down. But Yeah, tiger feet. Love that band. Love that, you should, that
2: song. You should put that on your TikTok,
1: Michael. I, we need to get an AFT in TikTok going. But, yeah, we're, we're kicking off this part with our song from 1974 because if, you, if you're new to the show, we are honouring the Whitecaps' 50th anniversary by giving a big part of the show to 1974 every episode we're going to play a song every week from that week 50 years ago and we'll also give you a little roundup from what happened 50 years ago this week as well so mud's tiger feet came into the uk charts as a new entry at number 10 50 years ago this week the number one spot was taken by the new seekers with you won't find another fool like me Glam rock band Slade had the UK number one with their album Sladest. The Steve Miller band The Joker took the number one spot in the US this week 50 years ago, knocking off Jim Croce's Time in a Bottle that we played in last week's show. But that still remained the number one song in Canada. Now, I watched a, a show this week that was on UK's Channel 5. The most shocking moments of 1974. Because when I do a bit on the show, I'm like Joaquin Phoenix. I'm like a method actor. So I'm just invoking everything 1974 just now. But I thought it was really nice for Channel 5 to be like, Hey, Michael needs a quick update as to what went on in 1974. And they did this whole hour and a half show for me to watch. We've got some amazing moments to talk about this year. Some of which I knew we'd be talking about. Some I'd totally forgotten. But this week in 1974, there was an energy crisis in the UK's act that had people working a three-day week. For some people, a dream, but not when you only get paid three days' pay. I don't think that hit over here. And I know you're not a good person to ask about this because you weren't born. But have you heard of the three-day week and all the, the rolling strikes and blackouts and stuff that the UK had 50 years ago? <laughs> No, I, I'm i not familiar with...
2: I mean, I'm familiar with these concepts, but I'm not familiar with the movements of the time. Yeah, in see, their time.
1: I, I, I was just five at the time, so I've only got vague recollections of this, but I remember my mum having the three-day work week, but there was rolling blackouts. We had candles that we had to have at hand all the time because you'd have the electricity on for two hours and it would maybe go off for two hours. So you could be watching a TV show and then your electricity went and you couldn't finish watching... The TV show That's you have to get all your candles and your 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 gaslit lights already and heaters and stuff. Yeah, it it was crazy. Some other stuff that happened this week, fifty years ago, January fifteenth. Happy Days, the TV show premiered, ran for eleven years. Were you a big Happy Days fan? Obviously not when it was first launched. Although I did watch it when it was first launched. But th- did you enjoy Happy Days?
2: uh I, I remember watching it a little bit when i was growing up and i don't know i just remember thinking it was cool
1: well i i remember going to the the local sweet shop and buying a, a fawns badge that had fawns on it and it went hey and said hey. i'm cool underneath so yeah happy days was a was a fantastic show it's still one of those shows you can watch it now and because it was set in the 50s you can still enjoy it because it's still kind of fresh humor so Mm. that 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 show 50 years ago on the 15th the day this podcast is out premiered january 16th 1974 ajax beat ac milan 6-0 to win the 1973 european super cup 6-1 on aggregate january 17th mexican boxer and three-weight world champion Marco Antonio Barrera was born. January 18th, 1974. After some successful TV movies the year before, another iconic 70s TV show began. The Six Million Dollar Man.
2: Mm, I'm wrong.
1: majors. I remember watching that as a kid on TV. January 19th in college basketball, Notre Dame beat UCLA 71-70 in South Bend, Indiana to end the UCLA Bruins NCAA record-breaking 88-game basketball winning streak. January 20th, for the first time in the history of English professional football, a match in the English Football League was played on a Sunday. The start was moved to 11.30 in the morning and there was two other matches scheduled in the afternoon. The historic match Millwall, Defeated the visiting Fulham 1-0 in the league's second division because I I don't know how aware folk are about this, but I think even going into the 90s, maybe even the 2000s in England You couldn't open a shop on a Sunday because it was God's day of rest and yeah. So it was like the,
2: it was like that here when I was growing up as a kid Really?
1: So yeah. they, I mean they didn't play football until 50 years ago on a Sunday. That was the first match now it's like wall-to-wall football on Sundays. And January 21st, 1974, trying to get one kind of news item for every day of the week that our podcast will be out. But I thought with the, the cold weather we've had here, rescuers in Turkey saved 680 train passengers that had been stranded for almost two days by large snow drifts and temperatures that dropped as low as minus 30. They had to use flamethrowers to melt the snow. took them 44 hours to get through to all the passengers. Oh, man. So that was the week in 1974. Yeah. Let us know if you're enjoying these 1974 sections. Doesn't matter if you are or not. We're going to be doing it all year long. (laughs) But uh, another footballer that was very prevalent and had a very successful 1974 was Franz Beckenbauer. Won the World Cup with West Germany, won the Bundesliga with Bayern and won the European Cup with Bayern as well. And sadly, the Kaiser, Franz Beckenbauer, passed away on Sunday, aged 78. It was announced on the Monday, so we weren't able to cover it in last week's show. Frank Beckenbauer, if you're Joey Barton. Oh my. Yeah, he needs to kind of stay off social media. One of only 3 players to win the World Cup as both a player in 1974 and a manager 1990 with West Germany. Also won the 1972 Euros as a player with West Germany. Now, interestingly, Mario Zagallo, who was the first man to achieve that feat of winning the World Cup as a as a player, which he did twice with Brazil in 1958 and 1962, And then as a manager with Brazil in 1970, plus he was a runner-up in 1998, an assistant manager with Brazil in 1994. But Zagallo died on Friday, January the 5th, aged 92. So Zagallo died on Friday, Beckenbauer died on Sunday. The third man, Didier Deschamps, who also achieved that feat as a player in 1998 with France and then manager in 2018 as well as being runner-up in 2022 he must have been shitting himself for tuesday <laughs> to come around but he, he managed, he's, he's okay he's still going strong but that just it's when, crazy the time when you text that. me about that we were like i'm on de whatever. <laughs> i was like what he made it he made it <laughs> but yeah beckenbauer absolute legend of the game and that that word we've talked about it on the show before it's thrown about so much these days oh this guy's a legend he's an icon beckenbauer is a legend and to many people many folks still hold him up as as the greatest all-time player above Peli, above maradona above messi he made 103 appearances for germany scored 14 goals aptly for our 1974 celebrations as i mentioned he won the world cup the bundesliga the european cup that year in his career he played 14 seasons with Bayern from 1963 to 1977, making 584 appearances, scored 75 goals. Then he headed to North America in 1977, played 4 seasons with the Cosmos, scoring 21 goals and 105 appearances. Was the league's MVP in his first season in 1977. Then he went back for a season and a half with Hamburg before finishing his playing career with a return to the Cosmos for the 1983 season, where he played 25 more games and scored two more goals. He finished his playing career, having made 754 club appearances for just three clubs, scored 98 goals. He won five German championships with Bayern, one with Hamburg when he went back Mm -hmm. with them, three NASL titles with the Cosmos, three European Cups, a European Cup-winner Cup, and four German Cups. A true legend, Zach, and I, I know as a as a German descent and huge German football fan, and you met the man himself uh, as well. It's like it just will get some of your memories of Franz Beckenbauer, what he meant to you, and just your your thoughts of him as a player.
2: Yeah, I think I'm one of those people who, yeah, for me, he's the greatest footballer of all time. I know lots of people would disagree with that, and that's fine, but I think. um I don't know, he's someone who, who transformed the game, right? Uh, playing that, that Libro role, that that person who played kind of behind the back line, but then was given the permission and the blessing of his coach to then also lead the ta- the attack out of the back and bring the play forward and um, and in one sense do some playmaking, I guess, out of that role. You could look at it that way. Um, but really set the tone from the team from the back um, Did, yeah, he... b-
1: Before you go on, have you heard the famous story About his first game at New York Cosmos?
2: Uh, no, I thought you were going to ask me about a different famous game No,
1: so it's half time And the Cosmos owner goes into the locker room And he says, we didn't spend all this money for a player to play in the back We don't want a defender, we want him up front
2: some then of those it had to be explained
1: owners, to him. Yeah, that's not, not, not who you signed. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I just had to share that. It's just that's ridiculous. I heard that story again this week on the Sloping Pitch podcast. I was like, oh, I forgot I'd heard that before.
2: That's crazy. Um. Yeah. I mean, he he transferred the game. Uh. He, he he was a he yeah he was a he was a legend. I mean, when you when I've been reading a bunch of stuff on you know the Bayern sites and people talk about him it's it's not it's not just his what he did as a player it, supposedly he was uh I mean yeah I'll, I'll talk about my, my brief encounter in a moment but he was just like someone who uh kind of lit up the room and made everyone feel at home and welcome and you know involved and um yeah I mean he I mean he did huge things off the field as well like you said as a coach and then he was president at Bayern for years and years and years he was also the head, the head of the organizing committee that brought the World Cup to
1: Germany in 2006, which is, yeah. I know, a negative thing because there's there was... He, uh, he was also likely... involved in helping the World Cup get to Russia and Qatar, which yeah. led to a whole ethics inquiry and stuff.
2: That... Yeah, yeah, that's the down, the downside. Yeah. I don't think that...
1: that tarnishes his legacy. Not to me, but it, it's, I'm it's sure it's for fi- some people it yeah, will. But... but it's FIFA. It's like, yeah. I'm pretty sure <laughs> there's a lot of folk that... Yeah. could be implicated in such things but oh yeah. and there's
2: lots who have but yeah yeah I and, think to, and to, think and what, and to much worse end. degrees than him yes um yes. anyways he um yeah he was just he was a legend right like and so i never got to see him play like i never watched him play growing up or whatever because that was before um my time uh, you know because i'm kind of like 93 94 and onward mm. in terms of like watching and following the game uh, and not and then not it took me a decade later to really be you know really Im- involved and and fully engaged. Yeah, but, I was uh, lucky
1: that I I did cuz like the 74 World Cups the first one I know I watched but I don't have much of a recollection of it but I watched 78 as well and European Championships but I remember watching Beckenbauer and Cruyff and like those guys and yeah. so lucky to have seen them play albeit on TV.
2: Yeah. So he so yeah, I mean uh, uh, one in terms of footballing moments, one of my greatest joys ever was when you sent me down to the MLS All Star Game to cover the I,
1: Russell Tiber. You, you wanted to go. I didn't. I didn't. No, you're yeah, going down I, to Portland. To, to go. you're, you're going down to watch Russell Tybert. You've been a bad boy. <laughs> so you sent me down. You got me into the to
2: cover the um, the ML. What was it? The MLS All like next All Stars. Yeah. Against you, the, you were... it was like the Chipotle sponsored game. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you that's got to Chipotle. It was awesome. All- <laughs> Um, but no, it was what was that game called? It, they played. It, it was it was
1: the oh, I can't remember what it was called. It, like, it was the All Star Youth. Yeah, it was like the young up and comers. Yeah, and I mean, we, we know that the the German youth movement they've been big over <laughs> oh, the no, years. Yeah, no.
2: <laughs> no, but no, the opponent for MLS was actually like Portland's U twenty three team or yeah. something.
1: Uh, yeah, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't, and
2: it was the day a day or two before the game, and it was just fun because. Uh, I Think I well, I also got you as a photographer, so you got to be at pitch level, yeah. So, I got well, that's the thing, I think I got to be in, in the press box and at pitch level, yeah. So, I got, to, I got all kinds of fun pictures with Rusty and um, also Ashton Morgan as well. Um, which was that was the first time I ever met Ashton Morgan, but like, yeah, Rusty was really great and and what and whatever, but you couldn't get me into the all star game, which kind of which uh, you know, as I went down, I was like, oh, that sucks, but you know, I'll get I'm sure I'll figure something, and so what happened was. Um actually, oh, one of the other great things that you, you got me into is you got me into Byron Training. Yes. <laughs> where where there were, where there's some other stories I won't tell right now. But um when I was at Byron Training, all of a sudden there was this because I uh was I having a conversation with there's this guy named Ken Puckett, and Ken Puckett, I think he still is. I don't know if he's not there or his roles changed, but Ken Puckett is the guy who's in charge of the the entire stadium for the Timbers. Um, and he, I don't know, I forget if he's Canadian or he's just lived in Canada, but he's a guy, he was the guy I would always, I'd always drive down, bring him ketchup chips because he can't get <laughs> ketchup chips in the States. So I just like, I'd buy like, I don't know, anywhere from four to 10 bags of ketchup chips and I would bring them in. And then I, when I go in the stadium, they're like, sir, you can't bring that in, in here. I'm like, no, no. I was like, this is for Ken Puckett. If you can make sure this gets to Ken Puckett. So they take these. You see someone walking through the stadium with a, like a bag or a box of potato chips. <laughs> <them to> <laughs> Anyways, so I knew Ken, and Ken was started to have this conversation with this guy, and I looked at the guy, and I'm like, I know that guy. That guy's Andy. And so Andy is this dude who I met. Uh, well, I first saw him in, 2000, in 2003 when I went to Germany, and then my wife and I. I think it was the next. I can't remember now. Anyways, a year or two later, we were at at, at the Bayern game in Chicago. And our tickets were on the other side of the stadium. And I was like, oh, I do not want to. So I just went over to the Bayern fans. And Andy was there with guys from Red Munich. Andy's a part of a group called the Red Munich. And I was like, hey, can we, can we? And he's like, oh, yeah, come. Because they were like the only people in the stadium standing. It was like, whatever, three, four, five rows of, of Bayern supporters. <laughs> right behind the one goal. So they're like, oh, yeah, come in. with you. And then I talked to him. I'm like, dude, like, I know you. Like, I saw you. I was like, "You were at this game," and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." And I found out later that actually Andy goes to every game. Um, and Andy's actually—he's not just a groundhopper, but he's also—he's also, he's also uh, works for Bayern. He's like—they have two supporter liaison guys. One's a, a guy who wears a suit and tie, and then there's Andy, who's like, you know, like your typical German supporter. <laughs> but he, yeah, he goes—he's—he's he, um, the guy. I've told you about him before. He's the guy in footballology who's like the oh, top of footballology. Yeah, <laughs> and he's the guy. Understandably now. Do you remember when uh, Byron was played uh, Olympiakos sort of in the Champions League, and I showed you pictures of the the, the Byron supporters went to the youth game ahead of time, oh, and the guy got all bloody. Yeah. That was Andy. That's Andy. <laughs> uh, anyways, so I was, I was talking to Andy, and um, or so Andy came over to talk to Kim Puck, and I'm like, I'm like Andy, whatever. So we connected, and then I was, after after that training session, I just hung out with the Byron because Byron brought over a bunch of. They had spots on their plane. And so they sell them to their supporters at a really reasonable rate. And they bring over a bunch of their supporters. And so Andy was on that plane. And so Andy was talking to Ken. He's like, Ken, can I bring can I bring my bag, my, my luggage from my hotel to the game? Because we're leaving right after the game. We're on I'm on the plane with the team and we're they're going right from the stadium to the airport and home to, to Germany, to Munich. And uh Ken's like, dude, um, you can't do that. <laughs> He's like Cause this was, I think a day or two before the game still. And he's like, yeah, we, we have a bomb squad that's coming into the stadium that's sweeping the whole stadium. Oh, so wow. yeah, you cannot bring your personal bags and just like leave them somewhere that would go against our policies for this game and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, he's like, Hey Andy, I was like, I'm going to be parked like across the street. I'm like, you can just throw your stuff in my car. And he's like, Oh, that'd be great. So he's like, cool. And then as I was there, I met a whole bunch of other dudes from different, um, Bayern supporter groups, um, And, uh, so a few of them, like I gave them rides around town and stuff. I was, I stayed at Abe's house for this actually, which was great for me. Um, and then, um, so a few of them put their stuff in my car because they had no place to put their stuff. And so after, after the game, I told him, I was like, I, or before, before I said, Hey, I can just drive you. So whenever you guys want to go, we'll just go, I'll drive you to the airport. And they're like, Oh, okay, cool. So we're driving to the airport or whatever, and they're like, oh, you should come in. And I'm just like, uh, I don't really need to see the Portland airport. But they're like, no, 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 you, you should come in. We was like, they we're like, we're on the, we're on the plane with every, with everyone. So they're like, if you come in, you get to meet everyone. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come in with you. <laughs> and anyway, so I got to, all these Bayern players walked through, so I got you know to meet a bunch of them and took pictures with a bunch of them. But then there was this moment, and Beckenbauer walked in. And I was just like, I can't believe this. Like, this is yeah one of on a sporting sense one of the people I've most admired like ever and but I was just like okay like he was standing off to the side you could tell he was kind of like wasn't really like desiring people to come, come and talk to him yeah. or whatever or whatever so I just went up to him and I think I asked for his to take a picture with him first and so he he said yeah and then I just said to him in my broken German I just said you know I just said hey I said you know Mr. Herr Beckenbauer just said you know, thank you for everything you've done for football in the world. And it was just like, for me, it's probably more surreal and like meaningful. (laughs) And it stands out in my mind as probably more meaningful than it actually was. But it was one of those moments where he sort of like, looked at me like, you know, he's sort of like, people don't say that to me every day. And he was just like, thank you. And and, uh, and whatever, and I said, whatever, said goodbye, and he went into his line and got his tickets and went through and whatever, but it was I was just so thankful
1: to the dudes or whatever. Well, I mean, that's, would, that's a lovely story and a memory, though. It's like, it oh, yeah. makes memories as little things like that. Oh, yeah.
2: And then the dudes, later, they sent me all these screenshots because they're like, you were on TV in Germany because there's captions of us standing in the airport waiting as the players come by, and they're like, look, there you are, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> that oh, that's was quite, awesome. That was quite funny. Well, here, here's a quiz question
1: for you. I'm going to not get this right. Why, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> so Beckenbauer, obviously with the Cosmos, he's played against the White Caps. How many times do you think Beckenbauer played against the White Caps in NESL action?
2: I think it's a few, because I've heard people talk about it,
1: right? Like, he played an empire, right? Mm-hmm. That's my follow-up question. How many times has he played in Vancouver? Yeah, I know he's played in Empire. I, I don't know. Uh, what was the? Uh,
2: let's say six. Oh, seven. Seven. Okay. And so, then at Vancouver, is it three or it's three or four?
1: No, that's that. This was the surprising thing when I looked oh. at this. So he's played against the Whitecaps on seven occasions in NSL action. The first time. In New York, in a three-two victory in June nineteen seventy-eight, victory he... for Beckenbauer or for the Whitecaps, <laughs> uh, for the Cosmos. Oh, okay, um, I, or I guess Beckenbauer FC, <laughs> if that's what you were calling them. <laughs> he he didn't make the return trip to Vancouver though in June seventy-nine. Like he didn't come out here as the Whitecaps at a four-one victory, but that... he did play against the Whitecaps that season at Giant Stadium. In in July And that's in the regular season So First visit here didn't come But he made his first Of only two NASL appearances in Vancouver In the playoffs at Empire Stadium On August 29th 1979 He played the full 90 minutes The Whitecaps won 2-0 In front of 32,875 fans He then played in the return match At Giants Stadium which the Cosmos won in the shootout before the Whitecaps won the mini-game 1-0 to advance to the soccer ball and then went on to lift it. He also played against the Whitecaps in his final year of the league in his first stint here in 1980, where he played at Empire Stadium on June 29th, scored the opening goal in the Cosmos's 3-0 victory that day. So he's played in Vancouver twice. He's scored here once. Then he went back to Hamburg before coming back here for the 1983 season. He played 25 more games that season as I mentioned. And he played his last game against the White Cops. As the Cosmos won 3-0 at Giant Stadium on June 29th 1983. But didn't play the game in Vancouver 11 days later. So yeah. it's not modern-day players that don't come and play in Vancouver. Yeah. Way back in the NASL days, he had as well. some Tyrion Riatus. Yeah, that um, well, mean you know, for the, for you, fans have seen that.
2: Would it be amazing? I forget. I forget this, but you know that giant stadium is gone, eh? Like it's demolished.
1: The mm. Pontiac the as well, where I went and watched uh, right. the, yes. the ninety-four World Cup. Yes, yeah, so the the original giant stadium closed at the end of the two thousand and nine NFL season. And then MetLife Stadium opened in 2010, which was built in the surrounding parking lot.
2: Right. Okay.
1: So yeah, the original. Well, I mean, it, it's sad because it's like Empire's not here, Giant Stadium's not here, and it's much oh, like yeah. in the UK. I hate when it's all these old stadiums that have it, it's one good of the memories I, and don't exist anymore.
2: It's not a. It's not an amazing ground by any stretch of the imagination. But it is. I feel fortunate that I got to go to one game.
1: There. It's historic.
2: Yeah. I won Uh, 2001.
1: And, of course, the the Whitecaps won their 1979 Soccer Bowl at Giant Stadium. Yeah. So, yeah, Franz Beckenbauer sadly passing away, an absolute true legend, a true icon of the game. And I I thought for our wavelength song this episode, we'll play a, a Franz Beckenbauer tribute song. Now, I've had this in my stash of songs to play for a while, but I try and steer away of the the foreign language songs until I'm going Uh, to run out of the English
2: language songs. I should have got you to play uh, "Gute Freunde." He actually sings it.
1: I saw that and I watched the video and I thought about it and I was like, no, I'm going to go for this instead. It's a Polish band called Bonik and this is a song from their 2018 album Delfina and it's named after the great man. The, The lyrics translate from Polish as I pass the ball like Franz Beckenbauer. So it's not a song about him per se, but we're playing it as a tribute to him. This is Bonick, Franz Beckenbauer.
5: Tam za stery, stylu mi brak Nim zacznę od zera, poczuję żal Coś we krwi to steryd, błękitny smar Dek z piersi wypiera Sam teraz sam jest tam, gdzie zawsze stałem Pragnę wędrować, ale brak mi sił, zobacz, piją piorunek, ziemia, drzy, płynie woda, dusze w gardle krzyk Jeśli o chują, jestem być serwera W świetle poranka, nie będę opierał się Na swoich ustach, więc światy zacieram po lustrach operii, tłustych deserach. Każdy, Kto ma przyjść, dzisiaj spóźnij się. Nie żartuję. Każdy, kto ma przyjść, dzisiaj spóźnij się. Wiem co tam masz, złoty zegarek Mimo, że przyszłość jest trekką glista Walczę z upałem, woda zamienia się w parę Podaję piłkę jak Franz Beckenbauer Idzie król ulicy, a wokół jego harem Wtem słyszę zgiełki wyzwiska. Walczę z upałem, woda zamienia się w parę Łucał Moje kroki w szary dzień, dzień Pokonuję falę Noszę się z zamiarem Aby wcale się nie witać wokół Patrzę jak pan wyda Stale. Jeśli zatańczę to za karę. Gesty czułe ty, i dojrzałe Telebruję dziś sumiarę Wytrzyma serce, wiem Chwyć mnie za ręce Chwyć mnie za ręce Kto odmiję to ocali Gryzą ryszki w więcej. Chwyć mnie za ręce Chwyć mnie za ręce
1: Polish band Bonik there Franz Beckenbauer, from 2018. And as Zach said, you can hear a song that Franz sings himself in German. What is it? Guten?
2: Guten Freunde. Guten Freunde. Um, the, the memorial service is being held at the Allianz Arena this Friday. Ah. So I'm, I, I haven't. I don't know if they're streaming anything or whatever.
1: But I they imagine are, they will.
2: I'm going to try and follow it, yeah. Yeah.
1: So RIP to Franz Beckenbauer. And also, as we mentioned there as well, RIP to another great man, Mario Zagallo. Mm-hmm. But that is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. Thank you for being with us. Hope you've enjoyed our two featured interviews and all the football chat. Just before we go, though, Zach, any final thoughts from you? Anything funny that's caught your eye this week or anything you want to end the show with?
2: No, uh, I just want to... Can I give a shout-out to our buddy,
1: Felipe? You can always give a shout-out to anyone you want, especially Felipe.
2: Okay, so, yeah, just uh, uh, a shout-out to our buddy, Felipe, and the Coast to Coast podcast um they have a a special um special pod coming out uh, i got to be a part of i don't know usually you get to go do the special pods with them like <laughs> oh no it, but it's this a one i uh, guess just done this the one. one this one was like a cpl supporter one so i got to go and um be a guest with uh i don't know there's four three or four other cpl people they're from around the league, and and then Mike and himself and all um, the special fans. <laughs> Anyways, it was quite it was it was quite fun. So make sure you check out um, their feed. I don't know what the timeline is for it to come out, but go check out coast to coast on uh, on social media and on your pod catcher things, and um, check out that episode. Yes. It was funny. It was funny though. <laughs> I think the recording time was like ninety minutes, and they're like, "Oh man, that was so so long." And You're like and long, I was like, I was like this is one of the shortest podcasts I've ever,
1: done. <laughs> I've ever been on in my life
2: no it was really good, and it was good to hear um from yeah people from other communities talk about their teams and and even hear what they thought think about what's going on here, what's gone on here in the first year, and
1: yeah, it was good I' going to be
2: part of so shout out to Felipe, thank you, Felipe. And, check and, his and podcast
1: like, out at the best of times it's a it's a really good podcast oh, yeah. I'm. I'm curious how long this episode is going to be. I won't know until I put it all together, but I know our two feature interviews alone takes us to about an hour and a half, which is above oh what most regular podcasts are. But but uh, it, this is crazy because our record time is less than two hours. Yes, which, which is, is crazy for us, and we started. And we're actually normal. we're finished before midnight as well. Yeah, this is not a two day recording for us. No, like usual. It, it's it's fantastic. So hopefully you've enjoyed this one. We'll be back with another episode soon, and we've got at least one good feature interview, possibly two coming up on the next show as well. And I've been busy sorting out some other interviews with some former Whitecaps players that are playing outside of North America. I hope to bring you those ones in the coming weeks as well. But until next time, as always, thanks for listening. Stay warm, everyone, and stay safe. And we'll be back with another episode soon. And mon, the Caps.